Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. As usual, I'm Kevin. And I'm Daniel. And this is episode 16. <laughs> yeah. Dope. So, uh, if you didn't know, and you should fucking know, because we, we have uh, ardent followers. Is that a good word for them? It's a good word. I like it. Not misleading uh, at all. <laughs> we just posted our review cast. Do I have to call it a review cast? Is that a thing I have to do in 2017? Yes. You have to use every hybrid word. So we, ju- <laughs> we just posted our review cast of Resident Evil 7. You can catch that on SoundCloud right now. Mm-hmm. If you want updates, however, for when we post, how we post, and us retweeting Sonic eating ass fan art. Which <laughs> is all we post, really. It's not official, I don't know. <laughs> you can follow us at, at Twitter, at Save Room Show. Actually, we didn't even discuss on our Resident Evil cast where it would have been apropos. We did a poll. Yeah, we I, got the, I got this cool idea the week the game came out, because I was like, you know what, let's get some fucking reader involvement. And I felt it. I felt there a chill in my bones when you got a cool idea. Yeah. So your reader involvement, you wanted to throw a question out there that was uh, timely. Basic. It was very timely. Yeah. But the question is... Well, here we go. Resident Evil 7 dropped this week, and it's a throwback to survival horror. So we want to know, which of these early entries is your favorite? And you put on there, Resident Evil, mm-hmm. I assume you meant 1. Yeah. I would have put Remake if I meant Remake. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Resident Evil 2, okay. classic. Resident Evil 3, Nemesis. And then, skipping the actual <laughs> sequel, Resident Evil Code of Veronica, you go straight for Resident Evil 4, because numbers matter more. I was so hard-pressed because I knew that was such an important entry in the series, and for Dreamcast, Part 3 is a spinoff. People don't know that. That 3 means nothing. means nothing. PlayStation had a contract with Capcom that said they needed to make another number to release in the series, and they were just like, oh shit, uh, what do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Oh, we were making this fucking uh, spinoff to Part 2, and they threw a number on it. Feels like an expansion. Uh, It's cat and mouse for ten hours. That's a little factoid for you from the save room, boys. You, you, uh... Munch on that for the rest of the afternoon. But the numbers are in. The numbers in. Yeah. <laughs> and so 19% went for the original mm-hmm. Resident Evil. I assume this is out of 100%. Um, Resident Evil 2, mm-hmm. 27%. Nemesis, not an actual sequel, 9%. And, and then 45% of you. Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4. You'd rather be backflipping mm-hmm. through tripwires and lasers. You, you'd rather equipping perfect-haired protagonist. That is nigh indestructible. You'd rather Ashley in a suit of armor than than any of the actual (laughs) horror games in the series. It's admirable. It's a great game. It's like anything you say, people are like, no, part four is like the best. (laughs) It's like it's not even the best representation of what people think of as Resident Evil. But they want four. I do wonder, like, if I had like excluded what they like. that from the poll, yeah. would the numbers have even been as great as they were? No. Well, I'm I'm heartened by the fact that um, number two was the second most voted upon game. And the the, the least would part th- be part three. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming a lot of you out there are big nerds and know that Code Veronica is the actual part three. And I'm proud of you. Although Code Veronica aged like shit. Yeah, it's hard I, to look back Like on. I played the HD one on PS3 when it came out. I don't even think I finished it. I was like, nah, no, we're good. <laughs> I'm good. We're good. Got to that one fight with the tyrant where if you don't have uh, explosive tip arrows, you have to fucking restart the whole game. Because there's no way to fucking kill him. There's no way to do damage. Oh, you run out of ammo. You're on a fucking cargo ship. You can't do a goddamn thing. That was like one of the most glaring holes in that fucking game. Yeah. Could you imagine if you were playing part seven and you just got to a certain point and it was like, you gotta restart. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, there's no way. Like you need the there's, magnum and you didn't know you needed the magnum. Exactly. It's like, oh, guess you left that shit, didn't you? Dummy. That's how Code Veronica makes you feel. So maybe wow. that's why there's some 
some contempt. But that was also a different time in gaming. It was. Where it came out on Dreamcast first, exactly. which <laughs> might have been a mistake. But whatever. You know? We're not there. We're here. That's, We're here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dredge up old shit from 1999. We're gonna talk about new shit, buddy. What have you been doing? Well, I finished uh, Resident Evil 4 for the fourth time. Resident Evil 4. I there you Resident go. Evil. See, look at that. It's, Subconsciously, it's four takes all over. Wanted, Nobody cares. All I wanted to think about. No, I finished Resident <laughs> Evil 7 for the fourth time. Madhouse difficulty. I think final time was around like eight hours. Got the platinum. Boom. Got the platinum. Um, and then I felt, a, I felt a sickness in me where I'm just like, I want to go back to the Baker house. Oh, he got down with the sickness. I watched it. We, we both did. We were like, we did. Yeah. Issue, like, okay, what other games could serve us like this? And then nothing could. Nothing good. It's just so, such a well-designed game. It feels good. good. It's fun to interact with. It's fun to learn its little intricacies, you know, because it's not like this fucking huge open world where it's like, you know what, I'm never going to find that. Yeah. I'm never going to find this fucking this uh, bird feather that you hid in a cactus fucking a thousand miles from anything. <laughs> you know? I like that it's reeled in because a lot of games now are so epic, everything, epic scale, open world yeah. this, and it's just like, no, this is a original yeah. Return to Roots idea that I really like. Um liked so much I got the season pass told myself I wouldn't everyone's oh yeah that's true I was he like, was so sick for it I was like I'm not gonna get it I'm not gonna get it and I'm like you know what talk to me about the DLC cause you did so the, the DLC's a little interesting it's not exactly like huge or significant story chapters like it is these little it honestly feels like outtakes from the game yeah and the first one's Bedroom it plays a lot like um Happy Birthday yes it's like a, it's like a which is like the saw-oriented kind of feel, very puzzle, puzzle-heavy one. Mm-hmm. Bedroom's but, so cool. But I like it because you see DLCs come out and it's like, oh, here's this extra like battle arena mode, here's new characters. And I'm like, no, here's a new puzzle that you can maybe spend like 20 minutes to an hour on. And I think it took me like 45 minutes to... 20 minutes to an hour on? Yeah. No, that, no. It took me like 45 minutes. Because I got to what? one of the final <laughs> steps and I'm like, I have everything I need, I've seen this room, like... I think she's coming to the room all the time. She's going until into the very last time. And I'm like, what item am I missing? I had to fucking go through everything in my inventory, yeah. examine everything. And then I'm like, okay, I had this one last shadow puzzle. And it had like two podiums. And I got the one. And the second one, it was just like so, it was such a stretch for me to think, oh, I need to rotate this item to make it fucking look like it should. It turned out to be a fork. It was a fork. It was a fork. It was a fork that you have to make look like a snake head. <laughs> because it has a little snake piece of tape on I don't know. It's out there. But it is a very cool tape. Um, premise is you you play as Clancy, who is one of the three cameramen from the Sewer Gators in the Derelict video. And um, he's like handcuffed to a bed. Marguerite mm-hmm. comes in. She's feeding him. She goes in and out. Um, you have an opportunity to escape. And you basically have to like solve the puzzles and not make too much of a fuss in the room. Otherwise, she'll, she'll, she'll come back and she'll be like, oh, who's making a fuss in there? Who's not eating my well, food? Well, so, so there's certain triggers in the puzzles. Like, you know, like I think that you have to move the bed or some shit and it makes such a loud noise. She comes up and yeah. like, what the fuck? But you have to make sure everything's back to exactly how you found mm-hmm. it. Because if something's out of place, she'll she'll either like start smacking you down in the bed yeah. or like just vomiting like, beetles into yeah, your face. Yeah, or like centipedes and just fucking centipedes in your eye sockets. It's ridiculous. Like, okay? And then the other one is called nightmare Mm -hmm. and that one's like more of a horde mode not i won't say mercenaries i'm not gonna go that far because it doesn't remind me of mercenaries there's no combos you know there's no score multipliers there's no um there's no crazy contextual melee where you're fucking doing (laughs) drop kicks or throwing zombies over your head like it's nothing because you imagine that just fucking like bent uh molded over your knee i'll be i'll I'll pay for that i'll pay five bucks for (laughs) i told you i'll pay five dollars for a kick for a kick feature, a Dead Island kick style, <laughs> fucking kickback everything. Oh, it's so good. That's all I want. But, but I think it's perfect how it is. I got into that last night because I 
got both trophies from bedroom and i'm like all right i'm gonna try out nightmare mode and i hadn't fucked with it yet i saw you play maybe a minute of it yeah and it's it's kind of really what i wanted as like a mini game for the game because i like mercenaries a lot and it's it's basically a five night horror mode you have to survive until dawn um enemies come at you in waves and you have these scrap machines that you basically make scrap from um and then you buy you know items or ammo guns it starts off pretty cheap but as you buy more and more but you have to be like it becomes its own meta where you have to just like in the main game you have to kind of like prioritize which upgrades or which items are going to be better for the situation ahead of you yeah and like you can go between upgrades for your character like health upgrades and shit uh or speed upgrade which is super useful or upgrade your guns or just buy more ammo and it gets more expensive the more you do yep. it and it's like it just gets harder as you go along and fucking jack shows up and you have like you have to use mines and and fucking tripwire traps around the level of table. Yeah, I like the environmental traps. They're really cool. It's so interesting actually. Like the little um, turret that you can set up and it just fucking mows people down. I will agree with you. You said that it probably should have been content like packaged within the game rather than yeah. tucked away as DLC cuz cuz there's nothing beyond the campaign. No. When you buy the game. And it's like most most Resident Evils I think what they have like three difficulties to start with. And then this one, it's like, depending okay, on the game. you beat it on normal, you get the hardest difficulty, and then there's nothing else. I feel like if you beat the game on Madhouse, it should have, like, you've unlocked Nightmare Mode, and it's just fucking cool. Five Night Survival. Yeah. Probably. But that's not how you make money in 2017. No. You know what I mean? And they got to us anyway, because I wasn't going to get it, and I fucking did. There's two ways you make money. You either, you either tuck away some continents DLC, mm-hmm. or you become President of the United States. Ooh. You like that? I, got I, a I do like that. You there. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, so we're playing. Uh, I think there's one last mode in there. Ethan must die. It's pretty, fucking vicious. It's pretty unforgiving. Fucking you, really. You could survive mode. maybe two hits at most, and then yeah. you're dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it it has like roguelike features to it, and it uh, item randomization. So you'll have these crates, chilling about the uh, map, and when you break them, it could be a gun, could be a health item, could be an explosive that yeah. kills you instantly. You got to take the gamble. In the beginning, all you have is a knife, so it's like yeah. okay, you're swiping. It's like one of the three is gonna explode. And you can't on you. do shit because like, their 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 difficulty is jacked up through the roof. Yeah. You can't take any hits. It's 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 difficult. It's yeah. hard. It hurts. That, I mean, that's the gold trophy for the DLC. So I imagine it's gonna take some effort. What's weird is I got I have all the other trophies, and that's the last one I don't have, and it still considers uh, my progress only fifty percent. Like, that gold is worth it's so much it, more. it really is, though. <laughs> so much more. So we've been getting down on a lot of Resident Evil. Yeah. It's been sick. We loved it. We reviewed it. We played it four times. Like I said, first must-play game of 2017. You it's true. Check it out. It's true. I've been wanting to get Yakuza real bad. Mm. I had to stay my hand because I'm just like, should I really be dropping, like, 60 bucks right now? And we'll get into it with our topic, but should I also give money to GameStop is the problem. Because I'm, I'm making someone's life bad by trying to get Yakuza. You know? Uh, other than that, I've been playing Sleeping Dogs in order to alleviate my Yakuza boner. Okay. And it gets you halfway there. It does. It, it, it's a dated game. Even the remastered edition, it's pretty dated. Some clunky camera controls and shit, and the Batman-esque combat's pretty uh, surfacy. How does it get you halfway there in that you play as an Asian man? Halfway there, it's an open-world RPG set in a Asian country. Okay. RPG, I said RPG. <laughs> it's an open-world game. Yeah, open-world game. It's 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 my yakuza substitute. Okay. Okay. Yakuza I'm not lights. I'm not trying to make some sort of racial commentary <laughs> on it. I just, it, they're both open world. You're coming at me, and it hurts. Okay. See, this is what Trump has it. done to our country, <laughs> where we are suspicious of our own friends and family. We're like, what do you mean by that, Daniel? Wait, what do you mean halfway to yakuza's hero? What do you? <laughs> are you? Do you support the ban? Is that what you mean? <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. 
Because you either get Yakuza 0 or you're building that wall. <laughs> the divide this country has us. That's where right we're now. at. Okay. <sighs> what else is going on? That's it, really. Really? We've just been I playing do. Resident Evil. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. That's it. Well, sh- shoulder to that. We Which is, it. like, you know, not uncommon for me, but, yeah. you know, for both of us at the same time. But it's uncommon for us to finish a game within the same 24-hour span. When's the last time we did that? I don't think we have. We really haven't. I don't think we have. Like, either I beat a game before you because, like, I bought it and you weren't interested at first. Right. Or you beat it, you got a game... Like, a, a week ahead of me, and you beat it fucking a month before I did. true. Because our schedules are shitty as fuck. Right now, I'm working with so. a company that uh, ships me out pretty much every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, like, next week, I'm fine. I'm still here all next week. But the week after, he wants me to be gone for two weeks straight. Oh. And I'm still... I feel partly recovered from PAX, mm-hmm. which happened like a week ago. Yeah, I was there. That was a rough one for you. PAX South. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was a rough one. Just the nature of what we do and how we do it, I'm sure there's a more expedient, less labor-intensive way to just set up fucking t-shirts there's and sell be. it. There's ab- there absolutely is, but that's not what we're doing. So that's a little in- insight. Because <laughs> I never talk about the job at, uh, on the show. No, he, I don't think he thinks of uh, convenience. No. He thinks of just cheapness. So he's like, okay, the cheapest way I can accomplish this task. Well, I mean, Get we're, three dudes out there, wear them down. You have set. to sometimes, though, because Freeman gets involved. And when the union gets involved, they want to charge you out the ass for, like, moving stuff, like, five feet. Mm-hmm. Like, that's $1,000. Plus, I get a break halfway through moving at five feet. So about two and a half feet in, I'm going to go eat a sandwich. <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> it's tough. But otherwise, like, the show seemed cool. Mm-hmm. PAX always is. You know, I'm sure it's a big little extravaganza for people. I, I, I'm on the other side, kids. Like, I'm not, you know, like... You, it's the same way that you walk into Toys R Us and think it's a wonderland, but you have to look at the sad, weathered employees with bags underneath their eyes. I get yelled at because they put Barbies to the left instead of to the right, mm-hmm. you know, and yelled at viciously. Very Because that's all that matters to the person above them. People who can't tell Fisher Price from Mattel. Oh, my God. Fucking oh, animals, animals, right? Animals. Fucking animal. Animorphs, even. So the, the one cool thing about uh, PAX South is... Yeah, the you one had, cool thing. You had a There's hands-on opportunity to play the Switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Except was... I didn't. <laughs> so. I had the opportunity, he means to say. <laughs> I didn't go gold. Nope. No, so... You bronzed it. Well, by, by, the, by the day that I got there to, like, line up early, like, the only day we got there super early was on the Sunday because uh, we had to go get a U-Haul and whatnot, so we were, we were in the house early, but I lined up. Or actually, no, I tried to line up, and then there's this dude working the booth that was like, yeah, you know, it's like only like eight-something. Come back at nine. That's when the line's going to start, and you should be good. should be quick. It's cool. just for exhibitors because 10 a.m. is when the rest of the hall opens. I'm like, neat, man. Thanks for steering me uh, the right direction. I'll go get breakfast. You're a good man. Yeah. I come back, and there's it's hand. already like fucking 60 people deep this fucking line and I'm just like this is only exhibitors they're just like fuck it <laughs> like I'm gonna fucking play the switch wow. no matter what and so I got in line I waited a good 20 minutes to be honest with you but I kept on looking at the clock and I was just like there's no one there to open the booth mm-hmm. like I'm the guy <laughs> you know uh, this sucks and, and like I, they were telling me oh Zelda's only a 15 minute demo that was the line I lined up for mm-hmm. And I find out, come to find out, it's like 30 minutes, and people are screwing around anyway, so it could be as long as fucking possible. And they're mm-hmm. only letting about maybe 10 or 15 at a time. Okay. So I was like, there's no way. There's, I don't have a chance. Unless I wanted to line up for, like, fucking Street Fighter 2, mm-hmm. you know, I might have had a chance, and even that would have been, like, 40 minutes of waiting. Yeah. To play a fucking game from, like, 89, <laughs> That's 91. <not> <laughs> no, it wasn't. I got to see it. 
it's uh it's a nice little size to it to be honest with you mm-hmm. it's a um it's sleeker than the uh wii u gamepad of course everything's sleeker than that yeah. fucking toy bulky piece of shit yeah bulky piece of shit um it, it looks sleek, it looks nice, it's thin, it's incredibly thin. Mm-hmm. I don't know how comfortable it's going to be just holding the damn thing as a, in portable, portable mode, like as a mm-hmm. handheld console, because I think I need a little more thickness. As you know, I always need thickness yeah. to anything you like the holding girth. and gripping. So uh, that, that would be I, one issue I'd find. I, I feel like it might be more comfortable to hold it like that versus the two Joy-Cons put together. Like I feel like that is such a small controller, my hand might feel like cramped. I heard that's actually pretty pretty uh, comfortable. That's more comfortable? More comfortable oh, yeah, than okay. just doing it like undocked and like in the air, holding it like two fucking okay, nunchucks. You know? Well, I, reportedly the most comfortable way is with the, um, mm-hmm. what do they call it? The Game Controller Plus, the... Fucking... What do they call it? Oh, the Pro Controller? The Pro Controller, boom. The $70 Pro yeah. Controller? I hear that's the most comfortable and right. easiest way to play it. Well... Yeah, I imagine. Apparently, it doesn't feel like a plastic piece of shit either in comparison <laughs> like to the uh, Wii, Wii U Pro Controller. Because that one did look like it was made out of the same thing that like certain Godzilla toys from uh, Taco Bell were made of back in '98. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like you're just gonna shatter. It's the same factory. They had extra plastic. <laughs> they were like, well, they didn't make a sequel. It's <laughs> <laughs> made from like the remnants of what would have been his spine. Yeah, all the spikes. Like, ugh. yeah, pretty much. So rough. Uh, so. Let's get into some news, actually. Let's do it. I have some shit written out. You have the news, Bruce. And my producer's rushing me. He keeps on giving me the spin wheel sign and also flipping me off. So I'm going to move on. Not me. The other guy. We got a new guy. The other guy. We, was it Steg? <laughs> <laughs> the dinosaur trio. Digging them out for this episode. Um, I got a few interesting things on here. I think they're going to percolate you. I'm going to be watching your expressions rather than reading these. Okay. okay. So number one here. A Bahamut-sized update is headed to Final Fantasy XV this month for fans still eager. <laughs> You're gonna make me restart. You're gonna make me restart. I, I like Bahamut- that we have the freedom to write our own news for this because then we come up with like lines or titles that are just meant to make the other laugh. We because sh- <laughs> <laughs> I know you wrote that. You're like, this is gonna make them. Laugh. It is sabotage. <laughs> so. Right, a Bahamut-sized update is headed to Final Fantasy XV this month for fans still eager to bash monsters and eat cup noodle. Beginning on February 21st, players will be allowed to play at a silky 60 frames per second on PS4 Pro. Additionally, players' uh, level cap will be raised to 120, and the game will begin offering new limited-time quests. Virtual shutter bugs will be pleased to know the photo capacity will be up to 200, so you can go fucking selfie crazy. Then, on March 28th, the Reviled Chapter 13 will receive an update, as promised last year, that will add cutscenes giving more context to the narrative and tighten up its overall awfulness. Episode Gladio, the game's first DLC chapter, will launch alongside this update. Hmm. I think my big takeaway from this is that now I can take 50 more photos of Iris. Yes. I mean, she was your favorite character. She was. For sure. That's cool. Um, I like that they're still giving support to the game. Um, I don't really care to replay it. You know, awesome that there's like a level 120 level cap now. Mm. This is going to be time quest. But I think like I'm so outside of like the main story that like if I happen to restart the game at some point, yeah, I'll get into that stuff. But I'm not going to do it from where I'm at. I think I need more incentive than we goofed up the first time, so here's some extra cutscenes. Yeah, like, and then chapter 13, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. If we knew, we could have made a very uh, deliberate save, but that didn't, I didn't, that didn't happen. I, I didn't, think it mattered. I didn't, I didn't know, like, oh, they're going to fix this fucking 
aberration. <laughs> no, game. we they were talking about it like the week of release. They're like, yeah, we're gonna have like story patches uh-huh. down the line, but here's our first day of one patch that doesn't. Well, then, include then I just didn't plan right because I didn't plan the fucking replay. Goddamn chapter. We shouldn't have again. had to. That's the thing. Yeah. Like we played it as it was. We're like, okay, this is what they intended us to have. So here it is. And I I know a lot of people who are like. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to dick around the open world. I'm going to wait for the, L- listen, the you, story Listen, you patch. expect to give a dev team 10 years to make a game and you want them to get them, get it right on the first try? No, sir. I'm sorry. I guess my expectations are No, sir. Number. I'll lower them. Okay. Lower them. Um, I don't care about the DLC, by the way. Yeah. I've got to the point where I don't give a shit. Episode Gladiolus? Yeah. I think it'd been cool if it had originally been in there. I like the idea of having like an offshoot thing with him where he mm. goes after Gilgamesh, but I don't know. I don't really care. They're already telling you by not including it, it doesn't matter yeah. as well. I don't know. It's it, it, it's a weird... That's what it all tells me. Anything that wasn't originally there, they didn't care about. I, I just really necessary. I so. just really feel like I got my peak enjoyment from the game. Mm-hmm. As is. I think it's a fantastic game. I think it's a very good game. I don't know if it's a game that's like a Everwell. That's not a term. Evergreen? To go back to. Yeah. Evergreen to go back to. Um, no, I got what I... Yeah. Got most out of it when I played it. So I'm not going to get to play those dungeons again. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do some of those fights again. Like, that's no. done. And, like, to do what's a standalone episode of Gladiolus, that'll be cool. It'll be singular. But, like, where's my party's not going to be there. I just kind of want, like, another, like, a new open world. Kind of yeah. like, uh, like Horizon. I've been looking at Horizon pretty hard. Hmm. Pretty hard, my guy. That might give me what I need. Soon. Soon. So, okay, cool. Or your kids is here. Um, have you fucked around with the Moog, what is it called? The Moogle Chocobo event? Where you go to that cart? Okay. No, yeah. no, didn't even fuck with it. I get to wear some bro. That's great. Uh, <laughs> some some gold star content right okay. there, guys. Number two, acclaimed game designer and Konami survivor Hideo Kojima got his hands on Nintendo Switch at RTX Sydney and was willing to share his impressions with IGN. Kojima compared the idea of the hybrid console to a feature his own team developed years back called Transfaring. That was a, a hot term in 2013 where you could transfer save data back and forth between the PS Vita and PlayStation 3. I think that was for the Metal Gear Solid HD collection, mm-hmm. which uh, glaringly omitted Twin Snakes. What? The fuck shit is that, right? Yeah, right? Quote, I believe Switch is an extension of that idea. The fact you can play something at home and take it outside, this is the gamer's dream. The Switch is an evolution of that. Kojima sees the long play, normalizing video games on the go, surmising that the Switch is another step toward gaming on practically every device. Quote, I feel like cloud technology is what everything will eventually move to. It's further behind right now than I think where people thought it would be at this point, but I think it'll go there. And when the infrastructure is ready, you'll be able to play everything on every device anywhere. The Switch is a predecessor to this step. That's interesting insight there from a man who's uh, spent his entire adult life making video games. Yeah. I think the idea of transferring and having a device that you can play docked or on the go, they're different ideas. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, uh, there, there's no cloud feature. That was a nice little, same that was a nice little uh, plug for his own career. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, cool, right I, there's your resume. I, I, I just like this comment about like cloud gaming. I think, especially because it ties into what we're going to go to in the topic about uh, physical media as well. Mm-hmm. That's going to go away. Like, that for sure is going to go away. And if you look at PC gamers, that is already gone. Yeah. They don't buy fucking physical anymore unless no. it's a goddamn collector's edition. You, you that go into a retail store to buy a PC game, it's a $60 code in a box. Like, there's right. nothing in there. There's no disc. You're buying mostly air <laughs> at that point. And, you know, I understand that we're, console, uh, console players are a little stubborn when it comes to that. You know, a lot of our fears 
involve like games not being able to play because eventually the online's gonna be shut off mm-hmm. for our PS4. But you know, fifteen, twenty years from now, that might be a distinct possibility. Sure. Uh, maybe a little less than that, but I think there's still this continuity of service going between, like, PlayStation's a brand, and unlike the past, I don't think they're just going to set fire to everything that they did with the PS4, mm-hmm. and nor Xbox with the Xbox One. I think they're going to be like, okay, well, this is going to be backwards compatible. Even even the Scorpio is backwards compatible mm-hmm. with Xbox One games, although they, they can't seem to really commit to the idea of, like, calling it the next Xbox mm-hmm. or just a mid-generational jump, because I think they're kind of trying to read the tea leaves and make that decision, you know, and be like, all right. Because I think they're afraid of scaring people into thinking that we're setting fire to this bridge, you know, and a lot of the fear of physical media is the same idea that, oh, well, this fire is going to fucking be set and you're fucked. You better have bought that physical, you Mm -hmm. know, or else you can't play it. Oh, you can't use your heart. No, that's bullshit. No, the future's not going to work that way. No. It's it's not so much a fear for me as a consumer as much as I just like having the physical disc. And granted, that novelty's worn off as I've grown older because the packaging includes less and less. It's just a fucking jewel box with a disc in it. So I think um, games with gold and uh, PlayStation Plus are normalizing the idea of just going discless for us. You know, because we get free games every month. Yeah. And then I, this generation more than any other, I've downloaded the most fucking games onto my hard drive. Mm-hmm. And not just the free ones. I mean to say, like, I'll look at a $20 game and be like, oh, fuck it, I'll get that. Or I'll look at a sale at a game that otherwise I might have bought physical mm-hmm. and been like, oh, fuck, $30 for Dying Light? Sure, I'll download it right now. I'm not okay. going to go fucking try to hunt down a physical copy that may have its DLC code already used up so it's not actually the edition that is being promoted That's a fair point. on the store shelves and shit like that. So, uh, you know, I, I like it, Kojima. Now, I noticed he didn't say anything about we're going to work on a game for the Switch. Mm-hmm, right. Keep that note. Or say, like, Death Stranding is coming to the DS. Right. No Konami <laughs> no, Nintendo partnership there. No, no, no. He He's looking at it like a fan. <laughs> I got some Squeenix news for you, buddy. Ooh. Number three. Square Enix has announced a multi-year partnership with Marvel to produce several AAA caliber games set within the celebrated comic book universe. The first fruit of this licensing loin is the Avengers Project. Hmm. I know you're super excited. I am. A tentatively titled action game to be developed by Crystal Dynamics, the house that brought us the successfully re-envisioned Tomb Raider games. Very little is known about the game besides the promise of an original story and universe that players can, quote, enjoy for years to come. Edis Montreal, another studio beneath the Squeenix banner, is set to collaborate on the game. Now, for us, it's like about time. You know, because you kind of wonder, it's like with the rise in popularity of the Marvel movies, the Mm. games started to like dwindle and disappear. They really did. For good reason. Companies like Activision would fucking try to do movie tie-ins and Mm. make this fucking piece of shit from a no-name developer, or sometimes Beanox. Sorry, Beanox. I didn't mean to call you Mm no-name. And it's it's just a, a hot piece of shit. It doesn't remind you of the movie. In fact, it hurts your experience with the brand. You know, I think there was like a Captain America game that was just fucking unplayable. And they're like, put it on shelves. Put it on 360. They don't we care. We need to fill those fine sections. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'm hard-pressed to think of many Marvel games out, except like the Lego Marvel Avengers. But Right. That's where the best games were relegated to, that are meant for like children first. Mm-hmm. That's where we're at. Although, not to disparage uh, Traveler's Tale. They do some immaculate fucking games. But I think this is a, a new 
a new uh, frontier for Marvel. I think they, they realize or recognize that, shit, games are a thing. And mm-hmm. despite what Disney said a couple years back where they're just like, fucking mobile games are all that matters. Mm-hmm. You know, like, who the fuck said that? Get the fuck, get the suits out of the goddamn room and get the creatives back in here. The creators are the ones like, fuck, we need to put this shit on there because this is a business opportunity. Mm-hmm. But we got to do it good. And I think Spider-Man is endemic for that choice where it's like, fuck, we're going to make... We're going to get a top-shelf developer, Insomniac Games, and we're going to give them all the time in the world. And we're going to tell them, you know what? Don't try to make this the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming the game. Do Mm -hmm. not do that. We've had 15 of those, and I would say 5% of them actually sold well. You know? So it's like, you go do that. Uh, Let's give Telltale fucking Guardians of the Galaxy fucking smart. Mm -hmm. You know, even though it's going to be the same goddamn thing or whatever. Like, yeah, I, I like this. And then... Resurrecting Marvel vs. Capcom, that 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 already shows me, like, shit, you're not just tone deaf to the audience. Like, you've listened. Mm. You know what we want. Yeah. That's the one thing we're screaming for. And rather than looking at it and go, like, maybe they just want a Marvel fighting game? Let's fucking get, I don't know, some, what are the Killer Instinct guys up to or some shit? Like, <laughs> no, they literally looked at the heritage of this fucking game and mm. said, why does this matter? Okay, cool, get it. We're going to make it. So that's cool. And then choosing these guys, fucking Crystal Dynamics, for that's an smart. Avengers game? That's pretty sick. Now, what do you think? Do you what, what kind of game do you surmise it might be? Oh, that's a tough one. Because <laughs> um, just the name Square Enix makes you think RPG, but that's not Crystal Dynamics jive. It is not. It is not at all. They do very action-oriented games. Yeah, I don't know. Um, what were the ones for the Xbox 360, the X-Men games that came <clears> out? <throat> Was it the, um, are you thinking of Legend? Or... Oh, Ultimate Alliance? Yeah, okay, yeah, there you go. I imagine something in a similar vein of that where maybe you have like a base of like four characters that you can play as, mm-hmm. do four-person co-op, whether it's local or online, and then you maybe unlock more characters as you go, you fight across levels. Um, but I, I feel like they have a bigger scope than that. Bigger scope, and I think that um, they really need to like take advantage of what the characters are and yeah. how they play. And it, I think a, they'll take advantage of a good storytelling arc too. Right. From, from a design standpoint, though, it's like it's so much easier to focus on one hero because mm-hmm. you can build the entire game around their abilities. Mm-hmm. Like Iron Man can fly, Iron Man can shoot laser beams, Iron mm-hmm. Man can do this. Okay, now we can start adding puzzles and enemies that interact a certain way. But then you're like, oh yeah, by the way, you got Hulk, you got fucking Hawkeye, who apparently is not invulnerable. Mm-hmm. We got fucking uh, what's the Vision guy and all that. It's like that. That gets a little rough to try to design for all in one game. So what you're saying unless makes they, sense. Unless they treat it like um, a Lego game and have segments and areas that play to the advantages right. of one character more than the other, you know? And that would be interesting. We shall see. But I don't know. Um, I want something more like... Arkham is the fucking... Like the bar for what a superhero game could be. And I mm-hmm. think Spider-Man's trying to go for that. I want to see Avengers go for that kind of style, too, you know? Not, not to be like, oh, just fucking ape it, but, mm-hmm. I mean, it works really well. I think they can nail the scale and the world and the level design, but it's just like, okay, they have to make sure that all these characters work and interact with this world on an equal level. Like, one character isn't disparaged more than the other, unless they do segmented areas. I'm afraid they're going to do some bullshit where it's just like, by the way, you're a brand new Avenger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're Wonder Dude. And then, like, the Avengers drop in and out, give you quests, right. help you actualize right. your power and potential. That's eh, bullshit. I don't really want I that. I don't want that. I want to be Tony Stark. So, the cool thing about this is that, yeah, um, Enix Montreal's working on it. I have, like, a lot of hope in them. And Well, they're, they're just... Uh... 
collaborating apparently. So uh, Crystal Dynamics is fucking okay, spearheading the that one. That, that's so, theirs. I like that they have it. Um, but this <clears> says <throat> something to me about uh, the Kingdom Hearts thing too, where it's like for hmm. a while I didn't know or we had speculated that Marvel was going to be a part of it because Disney bought Marvel out. It's like okay, well we haven't heard anything about it. The game's delayed for so long because I imagine they're working on new assets and putting new characters in. So mm-hmm. this furthers the idea that, okay, maybe there are going to be Marvel worlds. They're going to have Marvel characters. You think that's why Kingdom Hearts got delayed? It, oh, yeah. Well, the thing it's, is... It's not incompetence. It, it is a level of incompetence. And maybe <laughs> them not... biting off more than they can chew and trying to put way too much in the game. Because it's like, okay, in that time, Disney bought out Marvel. They bought out Lucasfilm. So right. it's just like, okay, they're trying to... Pr- shove all this shit in the game and it's like reel it back maybe you know it's true maybe focus on an idea that you had and worry about these characters later mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts 4 maybe if that's being you know too hopeful but just gonna be Jack Sparrow again we're, we're gonna have a bloated ass game yeah I think so um, and I'm more excited to see their venture with Crystal Dynamic and anybody else than I am to see with the Kingdom Hearts series so okay I got I got a little uh, another sidebar to this number 4 mm-hmm. Daniel speaking of Edith Montreal. Sources have told Kotaku that this Marvel hubbub may have effectively shelved their Deus Ex series. Despite being lauded by critics, Deus Ex Mankind Divided struggled to impress financially. Instead, Edis is not only assisting with the Avengers project, but have been tasked to spearhead their own Guardians of the Galaxy game. On top of that, as reported by Kotaku, Edis is supposedly working on their own entry into Lara Croft's reboot saga entitled Shadow of the Tomb Raider, a name accidentally outed by the French-Canadian transit system. Though Square Enix officially stated they're committed to expanding the Deus Ex universe, it's more than apparent that Edis Montreal's plate is full. And I agree with that. I think um, we were talking a little about Deus Ex. Deus Ex does not appeal to me in the very least. Mm -hmm. And I, unfortunately, for uh, not to disparage the work that they've done, I think they've done great work. Mm -hmm. And from what I hear, they made a great game. I even played Mankind Divided. Uh, it, it just wasn't it for you. Plays well. It just does not appeal to me on aesthetically from a gameplay basis at all. And unfortunately for them, I think that's the same for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it has it has its strong following for sure. People like Deus Ex. People dig on it, but it's just such a dense game. Mm-hmm. And plus, I fucking hate Cyberpunk. We had this conversation. I fucking hate Cyberpunk. I don't give a shit about Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk doesn't make sense in 2017. Okay, we literally see where technology is going and what it's doing, and you think it's we're gonna still fucking be wearing sunglasses at night and goddamn trench coats and fucking <laughs> hacking in the door term. Oh, fuck you. Cyberpunk doesn't make any goddamn sense. It's not cool. It made sense in like the 80s and the 90s, where right, we really yeah. know where technology was taking us. But now like, it's like, no, we've been there. We fucking get like, it. Like, dude, I get it. We all <laughs> think the Necromancer is real fucking cool, but you know, it, it's time to put it to bed. I think the Matrix was like the fucking the peak of what like like the last cyberpunk story that we could really fuck with Mm -hmm. and enjoy so i think that's part of the problem too i don't think it's very cool Mm, yeah (laughs) there's nothing about it like this dude's like fucking a a roving toaster wearing sunglasses (laughs) and he talks like this the entire game and it's just I don't know. It just did not appeal. And fucking, you have like a million goddamn options. Like, oh, your left arm could fucking bake a cake. It could punch a hole through a wall. It can do your taxes. It can pick your nose. It can grow a mustache. I'm just like, but where do I put these nodes? <laughs> right. How <laughs> do I access my files? So I'm not surprised that that one sold soft at yeah. all. And especially, I think, um, just the competition it came out with in, in 2016, it was, it was fucked out of the gate. It was truly fucked. There was a lot of games taking up that mindshare already. I forget even when that game came out, like what month that was. That's part of the problem. Was I think it was like was September-ish. It oh, August, September? September. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it didn't work. But um, I think they're a talented studio, so I'm happy to see them working on other projects. I'm kind of interested to see 
uh, someone else's take on the new Tomb Raiders. Yeah, because Edis Montreal wasn't working on Rise or the original one, right? No, it didn't. That was all Crystal. Okay. So what I am pretty fuckless about, as the kids would say, is Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I like the movie. I like the brand. Mm-hmm. We're already getting a Telltale game, which I think probably suits that humor and world more I than trying so to make like an action game or even a game with, uh, considering their pedigree... RPG elements, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't be down with that. That's not that's not really Guardians. I'm sure there's like another fucking property they could have uh, messed with that would have been probably a little more cooler, rally. Yeah, you know. Hey, maybe like an all all out Iron Man game where finally all your fucking nodes make sense. <laughs> you know, like build up your mock mock three or whatever the fuck we're cool. on now. Yeah, it would be cool. But uh, I'm glad to hear uh, that you know Square Enix wasn't just like Day Six didn't sell. See ya. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Yeah. You know, like they're like, no, we're gonna we're gonna put you on something. We're Give gonna give another task. Yeah, that's hard. Sure. Whether or not they want to, you know, get down on that, I don't know. Mm. You never know. I'm always curious when I hear about a studio getting put on a job like that. Like I'm just like, is everyone really passionate about doing a Guardians game? Mm-hmm. Like in fucking Quebec, Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> you know? We'd have to see how the numbers for Galleons yeah. and Guardians did in uh, Quebec. All right. Well, speaking speaking of the future and technology, mm. number five here. PlayStation 4's next firmware update is packing with it a new system feature that lets PS4 Pro owners harness its extra horsepower. We're still talking about the Pro? Of course. Even if the game in question has not been patched with Pro support. Dubbed Boost Mode, Sony confirmed to Polygon that the upcoming feature, quote, lets PS4 Pro run at a higher GPU and CPU clock speed for smoother gameplay on some PS4 games that were released before the launch of the PS4 Pro. PS4, he said PS4 three times in one sentence. He did. The boost effect varies from game to game, however, but players can expect more consistent frame rates and shorter load times. I skipped ahead, and that is bad. Mm. This makes a hell of an impact on games like The Witcher 3, which can often dip well below its targeted 30 frames per second. It's important to note that boost mode will not raise older games to 4K resolution. That fidelity needs to be explicitly worked into a game by its respective developer. Firmware update 4.50 is currently in beta testing. This very same update, by the by, will finally let you use external hard drives and set custom wallpapers on your home screen. There you go. I didn't mean to close that. <laughs> no, you need that still. So I, I, I spotlighted this because I know, uh, once again, to use our favorite word, we're fuckless about the PS4 Pro because mm-hmm. the I think the value proposition just wasn't there for us yep. for current PS4 owners that also don't have 4K televisions yeah. fucking lying around in our $800 a month apartment. Um, <laughs> it was an investment that just didn't matter to me. There was no it benefit didn't. of it and then the big question in our mind was okay so what does it do for us mm-hmm. remember that we did a whole fucking episode yeah. about the reveal back when it was what the Neo when it was the Neo yeah, back in the day when Neo was gonna fucking give it to you when it was gonna straight embarrass the competition and instead it, it played itself it fucking floundered so hard so our question was so what does it do for me and finally oh shit it upgrades older games regardless of whether or not they get patched by the developer because there's some games like Dude, nobody's going to go back and patch this fucking game, mm-hmm. you know? Like, nobody's going to go patch a Lego game or, yeah. or, or whatnot. So, that's cool. I like that. I, I've especially been watching video comparison videos, like Bloodborne, which has heinous fucking frame rates. Mm-hmm. actually runs a bit smoother. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, you know, it's not 100%. You're not guaranteed to be like, all right, this is going to be shorter loading times. And sometimes it could just be like, that sunset looks better. Other mm-hmm. times it's going to be like, yo, it's at 60 frames and staying at 60 frames, you know? Especially, yeah. So, so that's there's an inconsistency there. There is. It's not a. It's not a general thing because hmm. it's unlocking that extra power in it. 
But again, unless... That power is being distributed in a lot of different places. Sometimes they even say that if the game starts running worse when you have boost mode activated, turn it off. Mm-hmm. Because it's not intended to make these gun- the games run better. It just happens to. So in that case, most of those games that have been post-patched with this firmware update were probably better off being patched in the first place. How do you mean? Well, a frame rate patch or something like that would serve better as a per game patch versus a firmware thing where it's like okay. oh yes yeah no you're absolutely so. correct like that that is the best case scenario that they go back and and actually work on the mechanics of the game to make mm-hmm. it uh compatible this is putting a band-aid over like a fucking bigger problem like right the, it's rough yeah it's rough and the problem was they say that um they could have unlocked this capability like 100 percent of the time they chose not to because they were afraid of leaving behind older ps4 games mm-hmm. they definitely didn't want to do that so we're stuck with this halfway system that's halfway to being much more powerful than the PS4, but stuck in the past because, uh-oh, the console's only three years old, mm-hmm. and people are going to get fucking mad if you suddenly deny access to three years' worth of games. I'd be pissed. So it's like, it makes it goes back to that root decision. Should you have made this? Should you have made the Pro? Should you have wasted resources on it? Couldn't you have just as easily funneled all that money into making sure PSVR took off and made it a value proposition that we definitely wanted mm-hmm. instead of you and me looking at each other going, who gives a fuck? Yeah. We're playing like one of the pinnacle VR games this year and we are not experiencing in VR because who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. They took a lot of fucking steam out of their own <clears throat> fucking things that they were going with where it's like, okay, they launched, I think, VR and PS Pro within like a month or another. <clears throat> right. And it's like they could have supported one more than the I'm sorry. PS Pro came out in September. VR was more like a November thing. It was November for the Pro. Uh, right? Oh, other way around? It was November for the Pro. I don't even know. I don't care. I didn't pay attention. Yeah. And we're big PlayStation heads. We are. We're Sony ponies. We are Sony ponies. But, but I can't apologize for them for that one. No. There's, I feel there's like nothing They should have committed to one idea over the other. If they wanted VR to take off, you know, they should have yeah. committed to it. They should have made us passionate about it. They should have put more fucking assets into it, got mm-hmm. more developers on mm-hmm. board. But instead, we have this wait and see approach with VR, where like developers are kind of holding back. They're like, okay, we'll had more familiar brands on it, which yeah. I know. I think Greg Miller and Colin Moriarty disagreed with that point. They wanted like original IP to sell VR, and I was like, that's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen in fucking the actual world. You straight up need to come out of the gate saying like, here's play, uh, here's Resident Evil VR, mm-hmm. here's Tomb Raider VR, man, here's fucking. You need brand recognition. You need that brand rec- recognition to draw people in. Here's Crash Bandicoot VR. Mm-hmm. We figured it out. You can run and jump. Here you go. Like, do something. Not like PlayStation VR world and all this shit. That's like selling us on a new PlayStation, like a PlayStation Four without any brands we recognize. And like, okay, here are new indie games and new IPs. And it's like cool, but I'm what is not this? familiar with any. Yeah, of exactly. Like, what the fuck is this? So it's it's a leap of faith for the consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and especially if you already have a PS4, it's like why, why would you do this? There's mm-hmm. no point. I've heard there are some compelling reasons for VR. I hear Job Simulator is great. I hear Robinson the Journey is awesome in terms of like adventure games. Um, but it's still out there for me. It's not worth the investment. We jump from pro to VR real quick there. Yeah. We just have problems with both. We like, do. They go hand in hand in our mind for like, this is not what we want from Sony right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it really is. I don't know. That was in the, the area of like the end of last year where they were doing shit that just was head scratching. <laughs> head scratcher? Yeah. Head scratcher. Head scratcher. Head scratcher. Sorry, that's great. I was looking at this man being crushed by the uh, circle. Of oh, look at him go! He's yeah, so exasperated. That's great. Do you have anything on the docket over there, my friend? Um, what do what do I have? I have um, 
a sidebar about uh, Kojima when he went to uh, RTX Sydney. He talked about Death Stranding a bit more. He said it's going to be for current gen, not next not, gen. Not as, PS5. Because it had been thought. Because, right. Because it's been in development for however long. But what did he say? He said that Sony gives him 100% creative freedom and that working with a big company like Sony will help the game have a better chance of succeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, he mm-hmm. said that it's mm-hmm. going to have a big prosperous market there. Um, it will not have a virtual reality elements because um, it's not a VR game. Um, and he said you that, have the fucking argument of the biggest name. Like, he's a rock star when it comes to game design. Mm-hmm. And this guy's telling like, hey, it's not going to have VR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do VR. <laughs> that, that's so telling. Like, I, I feel like he... Yeah, exactly. I feel like these are the people we need to listen to because, like, they... Kojima has a closer fucking thumb to, like, gamers' pulse and heartbeat <laughs> than, like, anybody he in knows. publishing. <laughs> Puts out weird art house political games, but he knows. But he still knows, like, he oh, knows. I'm, the Switch looks cool, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to make anything uh. for it. Fuck uh, VR. What did he say about it? So he said, uh, he said that Death Stranding is coming along and what it will offer to fans. He said it's an open world game that will offer players a large degree of freedom. Uh, we're used to playing AAA games on high-end platforms that will feel at home in this kind of game, but after playing for two or three hours, they'll notice that there's something different about it, which is always something fucking different about a Kojima game. Yeah. Like, I get about two hours and I'm like, okay, well, what's going on now? Fucking suspend all my disbelief. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. I am. I just know it's not going to happen anytime soon. Like, that that's how Kojima works, you yeah. know? And I, it's cool he's talking about it, but I, I'm so sick of just hearing, like, small updates, like, vague updates. Like, it's going to be a game, and when people play it, they'll like it. They'll like it. But there'll be more to it than people might think. <laughs> okay, what, what do you mean? Like, what are you uh, really no, we're, saying We're to not me? really getting into the specifics right now about what that means. Is it third person? It might be, but it could be a different take on perception. Yeah. Well, it might enter new person mode what? fourth person you may have to swallow death stranding as a pill for it to take effect <laughs> <Could you imagine? laughs> excuse me no i'm not i'm not really excited i think it's intriguing at best but you know we'll see he's a genius we'll see so. uh that's all i got for that i don't know i had a little bit about um ceo ted price um and so mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. as the CEO, mm-hmm. he basically came out like last weekend about the immigration ban and how it would basically hurt the gaming industry as a whole, which we already kind of knew. It's, um, it hurts the nation. It hurts the it, nation. It hurts our economy. It hurts our uh, our fucking everyone else's outlook <laughs> on our country. But I like that he came out. I hope more publishers and developers come out because it's important. Um, game development teams coders they come from a fucking wide background we don't have just americans mm-hmm. working on games we have muslims we have african-americans we mm-hmm. have any like we have people from all over the world and i think their part in the development process is important as mine or yours because they come from different realms of storytelling like somebody who lives in europe or you know the middle east they can tell stories different than we can i think that's really integral in gaming and it's important it's important in any piece of art mm-hmm. you know you can't say that oh well the majority of good art or uh, consumable media just comes domestically. Like, mm-hmm. fuck yourself. No way. Everything's influenced by everything else. Art influences art. Art imitates life. Life imitates art. It's just, it's all it's a fucking cycle, wrap yeah. around. And this dude's literally trying to fucking strangle it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so on a face God. level, yeah, I think it's important that they're coming, uh, on a civil rights level, it's fucking deplorable because you're fucking, you know, you're encroaching on people's rights. It's unconstitutional. And I like what he came and he said, no, 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 no but what, he, what, what uh, Sean Spicer said, it's, it's legal. And appropriate is on it? Trump's part, yeah. Although it was, I believe that it was overturned by a judge oh. in Seattle. Yeah, that because said, it's no, illegal. It's fucking illegal and unconstitutional. What a weird word! What a weird word right there for him. Well, this is coming from a president who hasn't 
ever seen our constitution. Doesn't know what the amendments even look like. What's an amendment? <laughs> How does it work? Um, but, who's finally learning what checks and balances in our country actually is. I don't think he thought that existed when you were a president. You learned that in, like, sixth grade history. Right. <laughs> so, um, but they had an important message there. They said, or he said, I should say, um, Ted Price, we ins- at Insomniac Games stand united in strongly opposing President Trump's immigration ban. There's no question that these orders will harm us as a company and many of our team members. So we ask, is this the American way? Is discriminating based on religion, faith, or, oh, sorry. Is discriminating based on religious faith or national origin American? Absolutely not. This is a deplorable, discriminatory act that we and many other nations across the nation believe is patently unconstitutional. We have been, we are, and we will always be a nation of immigrants. I think that's the most important part. It's a country founded on mm-hmm. immigrants who fled from Europe based off of religious persecution. So you can't look at our country and say, we don't, we don't need immigrants here. No, we're a nation of immigrants. It's, it's fucking ridiculous, and it, it just seems like under his regime... Mm-hmm. I've never seen, like, a news article every fucking day about something else heinous occurring. Yeah. I, I can't. It's it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a long two years before his impeachment or assassination. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm nervous for that prospect, even, because, like, I don't want fucking... I don't want his VP to run the country. Oh, that's bad, too. Mike Pence, no. Oh, yeah, oh, that's no. bad, too. He, that's even worse, because he actually knows what he's doing. You know what I hate? So. When, when somebody... When people say, like, it's going to be a long four years... Mm-hmm. And they reply, eight. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Another important thing on here, um, he calls the ban deplorable, and he's urging people to contact their Congress members and donate to opposition groups and protest the ban. So ACLU, awesome. other groups across the country. It's yeah, really they've been important. getting some extreme donations their way, <laughs> which is encouraging. Yeah. Um, so it's important. This is something that, like, you know, when he was nominated, when you saw him on the campaign trail, you're like, oh, whatever, you know. It was a joke. It was a meme at best. Like, that's what our country's become. And we mm-hmm. never thought that, like, him actually becoming president would affect the industry that, like, is it's home to us. Like, that's our heart. Like, I mean, these guys are developing Spider-Man, the greatest American hero. Right? They should know. They should know. What's constitutional <laughs> and what justice is. Okay? You want, you want to fuck with these guys? No, thank you. We're going to come out with a Spider-Man game where he only saves 100% Americans. <laughs> I don't want and that he, game. And he, <laughs> at the end, Trump is the boss. He's kingpin, He's actually. kingpin. <laughs> so yeah, that's light news. And then uh, for re- releases this week, uh, it's kind of light um, until like the like, mid-end of the month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Neo camp comes off this week, um, which I hear is really difficult. <laughs> Super difficult. Super difficult. To the point where I think... Polygon couldn't put out a review because they couldn't beat it. Yeah. And people were making fun of them, but, like, no. Like, this game is, like, viciously difficult. I played the uh, demo, Mm -hmm. or the beta, I guess you can call it, and, yeah, I couldn't get through, like, more than a few fights, but I was just like, okay, I see your point. Yeah. Good day, sir. People are coming at them so hard, like, oh, you guys suck. Like, you should be able to do your job. Like, oh, it's unexcusable that you you can't have a review up. And it's like, okay, this game is fucking difficult. Like, I can't imagine there's an easy mode for it, even. Like Dark Souls, no. there's no easy mode. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. So no, it is what it is. Yeah, um, it looks fun. Mm-hmm. It apparently it's the very reminiscent cool. of Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, which is cool. Which they they worked on. You know, big surprise. Um, but I I don't know. I'm not. I don't. I'm, I don't. I'm not really about Dark Souls clones right now. No, the only Dark Souls clones you need are well, just Dark Souls. Just Dark, Dark Souls. I want a Bloodborne two. I was hoping for that to be announced at PSX. Did not happen. I would still want a Bloodborne two. Um, the only other game that looked interesting was The Surge. Mm-hmm. The guys that made Lords of the Fallen, it is like a 
like you're wearing a mech essentially. Okay. And it is a Dark Souls esque game, but it the combat looks so fucking cool. You're fighting like you know other mechs and robots and weird creatures and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was about that one, but cool. uh, we'll see where that goes. All right, Kevin. So you ready to roll into our topic for the day? Born ready, Daniel. Ooh. You like that positivity? That, that was good. That was very. That good. was manufactured. <laughs> I'm actually very nervous to talk. <laughs> you're shaking. I'm shaking right now. Let me now. hold you. I'm gonna stabilize you. I feel stabilized. Good. Dear viewer, our topic today is dear viewer. So here's two. Let me break that down. Here's the two problems. One, viewer. This is a podcast that mm-hmm. isn't on YouTube, so it's a listener. Two, I assume there's only one, only one viewer. <laughs> you always have bother. trouble like articulating yeah. the the medium to which we are because you're like, oh, if you're uh, watching us, no, we are a podcast. Or, we anything. We're, or if you're reading us, no, you're a podcast. <laughs> we're a pamphlet. We're, we're a zine. A how-to guy. Or a zine. Is it a zine? It's a zine. Zine. It might, it's zine. It's not a magazine. Listen, your reason is sounding. Mm-hmm. But today our topic is GameStop, and more specifically a practice that they are now infamous for, mm-hmm. called the Circle of Life. Now, this is something that me and uh, Daniel talked about in a previous episode. God help me, I don't know which. I would say probably just 12. I'd say just around 12. 11 or 12. We Definitely 12. We officially kind of broke this story, but, you know, we have like three or four listeners. Where's the credit our way? Exactly. You know? We should be on the news. We should. On the... I actually don't know what station is local to Orlando. So. I don't either, actually. So that's... Uh... All right, well, that's falling apart right there, too. I'm sorry. Now, <laughs> I just want to read some excerpts. Now, the uh, the story that was broken was by J- Jason Schreier on Kotaku. It's new GameStop program leads employees to lie to customers. Daniel, can you tell me when the program started? Uh, well, Circle of Life started when I started working there. Well, I, I imagine it had been in place for a while, at least like maybe five years before I started working there. I started working there. Really? Five years? It seemed like it had been a while. It's calling um, it like a new practice. Because when I worked there, it definitely wasn't something. No, it's not. And I don't know why they're illustrating it as a new practice, but they've been hmm. doing it for like years from what I've heard. I, I officially started Or something with, akin to it. I mean, they've always been doing reserves and yeah. uh, subscriptions. So I started with them in 2015 and I quit like beginning of this year. Um, so the idea is, okay, circle of life. And they're you, sad to lose you. Oh, they're so sad. I work three hours a week, man. I really wasn't helping. Integral hours. I wasn't helping these numbers we're going to talk about. But, okay, so the top <laughs> is you buy a new game, okay? Within the first week, no. you'll play it, okay. beat it. You'll come back. You will trade it in. At that point, you will use the trading currency to buy pre-owned games. And from there, you will also reserve new games, and you will, you know, have your subscription. So it's this very cyclical thing that promotes, like, internal growth and financial health via spending within GameStop. So. <laughs> Was that from the code book? No, that's just, that's from my brain book. From his brain yeah. book. Well, Jason Schreier wrote about it, and this has been kind of a, um, I know a lot of people before this were on the fuck GameStop bandwagon, mm-hmm. but for... Mainly the reason that they give you uh, maybe $14 for a game that was brand new three days ago, mm-hmm. uh, which has happened recently with, what, Resident Evil? I think it's only worth like 18 It's 25 It's 25 Congratulations. The value on that drops so hard. Yeah. Wow. Which well, is weird because they don't have many on their shelf, so you figure the value would be higher. You would think that too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, Jason Schreier actually had a little elegant breakdown of the circle of life so it, it goes a little bit like this again this is jason schreier from kotaku uh, the quote is the program called circle of life gives each gamestop store different percentage quotas for one pre-orders two reward card subscriptions 
three, use game sales, and four, game trade-ins. Each of these quotas is based on the store's total transactions. Pre-orders and reward card subscriptions are based on the number of transactions, while use game sales and trade-ins are based on the total dollar value of transactions. So if a store's quota for used games is 30% and the store sells $1,000 worth of merchandise, GameStop expects at least 300 of that merchandise to be pre-owned. Um, what's interesting is how they break it down per employee, where you basically have a 100% score, mm-hmm. right? In each at the start of the week. At the start of the week, so at the start of each week. And they break it down in, into uh, quadrants of 25%, basically. Mm-hmm. So that goes to... Uh, Let's see. Basically, those four right there. Well, they're all they're quadrants, but they're quadrants. all one hundred percent of their own. So they don't factor into an overall number. They are their own number. Okay. So, so here's what happens when you buy a brand new game. And again, this is uh, Schreier writing. So quote: So if someone walks in the GameStop and pick up picks up, say, a brand new copy of Yakuza Zero. I've been wanting that uh, without one pre-ordering another game or two subscribing for a new rewards card or buying a used game, or trading in some games to help pay for it, then the, transa- the transaction will knock down all four percentages in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. So what's been happening is that employees' habits and behaviors are changing, and they're becoming more, some would say, self-preserving, mm-hmm. because in some districts, and there have been some testimonials that have been uh, going through, in fact, there's another article... Uh, Jason Trier followed up on an, on actual like managers and employees wow. that kind of like wrote it and told them like this is what's going on with us this is what's actually happening and here's how we're acting because of the COL mm-hmm. is what we'll call it. Um, what they're doing is that in some instances they'll tell you when you walk into a store and this is an extreme case by the way and I don't think it's happening everywhere but it's definitely something that I foresee like yeah that could be happening it, it, it could be happening absolutely anywhere mm-hmm. but I won't say everywhere. And these things are happening because employees' jobs and livelihood are at stake because they're threatened to be fired if their numbers exactly. are kept at a certain percentage. They're saying certain week. district managers so. are out there threatening to fire you. Like they they'll they'll look at you from month to month and tell you like, all right, you're you're endangered mm-hmm. essentially. And some of them enforce it. Some of them will fire. Some haven't. That's some of the testimonies said. Some haven't. Some are cool. Maybe mm-hmm. some see that it's ludicrous to threaten people that way. But it is extra pressures. And the thing that I wanted to point out is that so. GameStop specifically, you're considered a retail clerk. Mm-hmm. You are your job is to assist the customer into getting what they came there for, mm-hmm. what they want. That's the, the entire job. The job when I left there, it was guest advisor. Guest advisor. So the, right. there was no entitlement of um, sales or you know commission based ideas. Right. So. Despite it being you know transactions, it's not uh, what we would consider a sales job, mm-hmm. like much like a. Uh, commission-based sales job. Yeah. So if you're a car salesman, for instance, which is like the most standard example, uh, you know, you're based on commission, you're based, your performance is directly correlated to how much you sell. Mm-hmm. Whereas at GameStop, it should be more about the spending habits of your district and the customers walking through the door, mm-hmm. less so about the salespeople fucking jumping through hoops and doing backwards flips in order to hit certain quotas. So that's that's supposed to be the benefit of, of commission-based versus retail-based. But GameStop apparently doesn't give a shit about that. Nope. GameStop views all of their people as salespeople from like the bottom and up. and Which, when I got hired, that wasn't the case. And if right. it was something that got folded into what I was supposed to be doing, when I initially started, they... They didn't say it was a sales job. They didn't say that that was something I was going to have to worry about. They said, right. we have key things you have to pay attention to and drive because mm-hmm. that's what makes our store successful. Um, 
so that was pushed, but it wasn't like a fight or fight sort of thing where you have to do this or you're going to lose your job, you know? Right. So you um, you've actually have a much more recent and, I guess, uh, modern kind of take on what's going on with GameStop, whereas I, I worked there like maybe 08, mm. 08, and I worked there for maybe less than a year. And I started as, as you said, it was Game Advisor, mm. right? And I worked my way up to a key holding position, which was SGA, uh, Senior Game Advisor. Um, back in the day, there was no COL or anything. And in fact, uh, your like little reserve cards, or I mean, say your subscription, subscription cards, the reward cards. Which they call the Power Up Rewards now. Power Up Rewards now. Back in the day, yeah, you we couldn't even keep that in the computer. We mm-hmm. couldn't keep your phone number or your account. You'd have to literally bring your card in. And if you didn't, then technically we weren't supposed to give you like a discount and use games or whatnot. Oh, so that okay. was like the difference. But uh, the big push back then was that fucking card paired with magazine subscription and then reserves. Reserves, mm-hmm. reserves out the fucking door. And I was good at both. And like they found that weird for our area too because like we were not in a mall and we're near residential in a strip mall. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, well, you shouldn't be getting such high reserves and pre-orders. And I'm just like, what, what do you mean? Like, I'm right near a fucking, like, neighborhood, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, these people come in. This is our store. It's not like a mall. I feel like a mall should be, like, getting less pre-orders than, like, you know, something near residential. Like a neighborhood store. But that was a big push back, back then. And, yeah, that that nothing like this. And I'm, you... I guess you see the faint skeleton of what would become Circle of Life in that because two mm-hmm. of the proponents are, okay, uh, reservations for upcoming games, the Power Rewards subscription, which is fourteen ninety nine for the year, and they try and get you to get it for almost everybody, um, buying pre-owned, uh, getting GPGs, which is the gameplay guarantees. They're like little attachments for the Which discs. is new. That's something we didn't have. Um, system warranties, and then trades. So those are like the big flagships for like what the company profits off of and mm-hmm. prospers from. So, so if... You don't know, behind the scenes, when you're selling a new game, there's a lot of people that are taking a cut from this. And there's, there, there, you can find different videos online that explain this much more elegantly, but essentially you think of it this way, where the new game, GameStop, is only seeing a very minimal cut. Mm-hmm. I think it's about 12 bucks essentially, for every copy. And when you're looking at a, from a retail standpoint, that is just not a great margin. That's a terrible margin to sustain off of. So, but they don't sustain off of just new product, you know. And it's not, it's not a, uh, an additional space in a store that sells other things either. Mm. Take Best Buy or Target, for instance, where it's like, yeah, we sell games, but fucking, we're not relying on it. Yeah, so it's other specialty. Yeah, we don't need to create this uh, whole other uh, form of revenue, which mm. is use games. Most of sales at a GameStop are going to come from the used games, yeah. and that's why there's a bigger push toward it, and that's why I'm not surprised to see that they've turned it into, they tried to gamify it, basically, mm-hmm. turn it into a fucking numbers game that they make you worry about constantly as an employee. It's just, that's pretty goddamn stressful. It is. And I think it's it's, it's completely ludicrous for me to think that I walk in, I'm just going to, I'm there for Resident Evil 7, that's all I want to buy. I didn't pre-order it, whatever, and I'm not here to trade. I don't have any trades for it. I know there's a trade bonus, but there's nothing I really want to get rid of. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just here to buy something. I don't want to feel like I'm totally fucking over someone's day because <laughs> I just brought down their score. Yeah, you're not thinking about that as a customer. Yeah, you know, and so we're hearing some fucking, some pretty heinous shit behind the scenes, and I don't, you know, I don't want to come at anybody. Again, I want to extend empathy at least, mm-hmm. and be like, yo, I understand. It sucks what you're doing. I, I was in a position when I worked there where I didn't really care because I was working there super part-time. Like, I wasn't making money off that job, really. it was. Yeah. I was there for the fringe benefits and to kind of just have a second job to make extra cash on the side. Um, so my livelihood wasn't as much stake as it is um, some of the SGAs I see, some of the system managers I see, some of the mm-hmm. GAs. And I'm just like, wow, like, 
this really the sucks lifers. for you guys. Yeah, and I, I feel bad for him because it's like, well, okay, I go in there and I would work my shifts and do my thing, but I, I would try to, like, you know, hit all his points, but if I didn't, I didn't really care, you know? Right. And then I would see my managers do, like, little things to try and just cover up for it, like, oh, oh okay, cool. That didn't happen, so how can we make up for that? Okay, cool. You're not going to ring on your own cell anymore. You're going to ring on mine. Or by the end of the day, okay, you, you want anything that you want to pre-order? Cool, I'll, I'll pay for your pre-order. They'll do little things like that to bolster numbers. And it's like, it's not that serious to me, guys. Like, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> it's like, no, it's yeah. that big of a deal. And I'm like, um... Yeah, to them, like, they're part of the system. They're part of the circle of life. It is their lifeblood. Yeah. You know, because honestly, they think in their head, or it, no, it's a real threat. It's a real threat. I'm going to lose my job mm-hmm. if I don't hit these fucking numbers. So I'm going to have to do anything all things possible to make sure that my fucking COL is up. It's funny. I heard murmurings of it, like, from interview to hiring. And, like, on the first end job, they introduced me to the idea of it. And, like, okay, cool. Like, you know, we're something we do. We're not huge on it. Um, but here's what we're actually, like, you know, driving. And then it went away. It came back. It went away. It came back. Now it's back in full force. We're, like, this mm-hmm. is, like, the company pushing really hard. Like, okay, we're suffering now. We need this to work for us. So you have to do these things or you're gone. We'll get somebody who can. And that's an interesting point right there. Like, we're fucking suffering, so therefore we're putting the heat on our people. Mm -hmm. Like, what's going on with GameStop that they won't say? You know, I'm sure they're hurting. I mean, they they have, there's so much disruptive ways for you to buy a game now that Mm -hmm. don't involve you walking into their store, fucking dropping a pre-order, trading in a game, or any of that bullshit. I I can just get get games off of PSN. You can. I gotta say, like, traffic on a given day is not good outside of, like, the holiday. And I noticed that in recent years. I remember back in the day, it was like, oh, yeah, GameStop's busy, whatever, back in the 360 era, Mm -hmm. you know? But nowadays, like, I do. Yeah, I walk into uh, the local store, and I'm just like, oh, shit, I'm the only one here. And even then, like, the guy behind the the fucking desk doesn't really do anything. He's like, hi. I would work shifts, and maybe in a four- or five-hour shift at most, I would maybe see, like, 10 to 20 people. It's crazy. And maybe only ring out five. And in 2016, 30% of all game sales were digital. Mm -hmm. It was like, I think it was half that the year before. Maybe even less. And fuck, at the start of this generation? That's crazy. Yeah. It's increasing pretty hard. And I'm sure GameStop is like shuddering and they have to look at that and be like, okay, they're taking over our market. Right. How do we fight back? Which, if you didn't understand, and I'm sure you do, you're savvy guys, um, publishers would much prefer to control, they want to do direct to sale. They want to do direct-to-consumer. Mm-hmm. They want to control that destiny, and they don't want a brick-and-mortar operation mm-hmm. getting any cut of it. Yeah, you more know? people have to pay. And you see that push through uh, what, uh, like, the origin thing that EA's doing, mm-hmm. you know? EA is like, one of the first ones that would totally fucking, like, if GameStop were on a bridge and dangling, like, EA would come over with a fucking knife. <laughs> like, there you go, you're gone. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, like, EA would be the first one in line. Activision would be a little bit behind them. <laughs> Activision would high five. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one, man. Cool. Right, because they want all of that cut. Why wouldn't you want all that cut? And that's what digital was like the promise of it. But we still have some restraints in our modern day where not every area has the best fucking internet. And storage capacity still seems to be a bit Mm -hmm. of an issue because they're still giving, you know, we need like a terabyte or two terabytes with the next gen consoles. And they launch with 500 gigabytes, you know? Which really isn't much. To put it in like uh, perspective, it's probably like. 10 to 20 games, depending on the size. Like, really? Like, you know, you got some games that are 50 gigabytes and they have constant updates, too, Mm -hmm. that are like a gigabyte, five gigabytes, or whatnot. So we need to figure out those two problems. And I think, honestly, if you could download shit really quickly and not worry about storage as much, Mm -hmm. GameStop would be hemorrhaging, just bleeding on the street. 
They would. EA's knife stuck in its back. <laughs> <laughs> Activision doing backflips. So, but I want to get to some testimonials. Like, nonetheless, I understand, like, you know, they, they're there to make money. They're mm. a business. We never forget that about corporations, you know? They got to make their money somehow. They may be selling you your fucking favorite pastime, but you know what? It's still fucking number-crunching, bean-counting game behind yeah. the scenes. It doesn't matter what the product is. That's what it is behind but, Like, we got to say, like, okay, yeah, they make maybe... 12 bucks off the initial sale but like when right. it gets traded back in they can sell it pre-owned again and again they're instantly profiting again and again like 400 mm-hmm. percent. like that's how they make their money that's how they're making money and they're gonna push they're gonna push their people that way and if they're seeing people walk away from their regime like that then the first line of defense is going to be the employees to fucking put pin cushions underneath their asses mm-hmm. and be like well your job is on the line you should be proud of working here so i do want to get into a little little uh, testimonials here because uh, after this after the Jason Schreier article went out in Kotaku a lot of people started writing in anonymously of course because mm-hmm. some of them are currently working there yeah. or some are just you know walked away so I want to get into uh, there's some current employees and then there's managers and managers have pretty interesting things to say so the first guy says here, I'm sure you've received a lot of emails since posting the article on the GameStop Circle of Life metrics, but if you wanted more insight into it, I am a store leader at a store that consistently ranks top 10% of the company in the Circle of Life. And I hate it. <laughs> uh, the goals can be met without lying to guests, but they cannot be met without some sort of gaming the system. Again, there's that gamification. My own district leader has flat out told me to have employees that are weak on performance ignore guests that come into the store and never step foot behind a register to prevent scores from dropping. Monday through Wednesday, I've brought about guilt trip calls and conversations questioning whether or not my employees, quote, really want to work for GameStop or are just wasting our time. Because they got excited about Resident Evil last week, sold, uh, sold us completely out of copies, and tanked our pre-owned numbers. So why isn't this something that's taken into account as well? Like you're going to sell new games and there's still a such thing as launch days. Why is that something that you like, – why is that a tidal wave that you want your fucking employees to fight against? Mm-hmm. Why isn't there like some sort of uh, grace period given to these right? people? Like, oh, if you're working at midnight or you're working a launch, don't worry about your COL. But it, they can't take it into consideration. Like I – when I started there, launch days, they were fun. Midnights, they were awesome. Right. But still there was lingering, well, this is going to mess up our numbers. Like, okay, cool. Or at that point, a lot of the reservations had already been made. A lot of people were just picking up. So they would push other things like, okay, they're picking up. Get that season pass. Get that GPG. See if they have right. anything to trade. Maybe if they want another game. And the, the just the new game itself couldn't suffice, which sucks. Because it's like, oh, you're taking a lot of steam away from the excitement of the sale. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you right, right away, you're sucking the life out of your people, too. Mm-hmm. You know? If, if you turn it into this constant anxiety. And that's what this the CUL is. You know, I understand... Um, let me get into yeah stop it cat get into um this was their official quote that they sent out um and it was actually meant to be like a a company-wide sort of thing i think it was behind the scenes Mm -hmm. this was from a mr tony bartell the coo the coup is she going at that shit hard yeah if you heard any baggage in the background that's the uh Clementine, she's very anxious about the circle of life, like yeah. many are. She's fucking <laughs> fearful for everybody's lives. And, and she's been taking out her anxieties on she's a so plastic empathetic. bag. She I really like is. I like her. Um, so, just his quote was, While the behaviors described in the news article are disappointing, I know they don't represent the vast majority of our associates and how they treat our customers. Uh, he denied 
that the Circle of Life program, quote, placed pressure on store associates to mislead customers on the value of certain products. Like, they don't want that to be uh, the image that's brought about, but we're actually getting testimonials from employees that are saying, no, that, that's exactly what's going on. And common sense, common sense would even dictate that. If, if I walk into a store and they gave one example, I'm sure it's not hold, doesn't hold at time of posting, but one example was, you walk in, I want Watch Dogs 2. It's $30 brand new on sale, but it's $54.99 used. Mm-hmm. I don't know why GameStop, GameStop didn't want to take the hit. You know, and make it like twenty four ninety nine just for the weekend or whatever. I guess because yeah. it's such a new game. Um, <laughs> you have some instances where employees tell the customer, "All we have is a used version. We don't have the, we don't have the new one," mm-hmm. and they let the customer walk out the door because it's better than taking that hit. So this is not serving your clientele at that point. This is not the image that you want to put out there. And then the long game for this GameStop and. I don't know how sh- how short their game is, you know? I, I want to be like, in five years, I'm like, well, where the fuck is GameStop going to mm. be in five years? But the long play in this is that you're not reliable to the customer anymore, and they feel like they're being fucking pushed upon. And I do, and I've heard that from a lot of people, a lot of my friends that say that. When they walk in the GameStop, it's like, dude, I can't just walk in there and, like, browse, you know, or, or walk up and be like, hey, I just want to buy this mm. without hearing about fucking pre-orders and hearing about the subscription and, hey, you need to get the uh, the warranty on this and you need to do this and this and this. It's like, it's a bit much. you got to think about the customer experience. You know, I do feel like... <laughs> Especially when I walk in there and I'm in, you know, one of my, like, I don't want to talk to anybody right now. I just mm-hmm. want to buy something. But maybe I shouldn't let the house. That's on me. But whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, shit. I know you're just doing your job. I've been there. But goddamn, let me buy this. You know? But it's not them. I get that. That's the fucking company breathing down their throats and treating them like a fucking puppet. Going, like, you better squawk about fucking pre-orders. It doesn't matter if they look <laughs> like they only have $2 on them. You got to do it. Make it yeah. happen. No, it's unfortunate, too, because, like, um, I have worked customer service jobs for, like, the last 10 years or so. And I mm-hmm. like that part of the job, like, serving the customer, helping them out. Leaving the day knowing I did something satisfying, whether it was helping them find a new game or getting them something they wanted, whether it was new or pre-owned, whatever. And this takes a lot of the customer service sides out of it because it stops benefiting the customer and it benefits the company. And it's just, like, that's not the point. <laughs> Right, but it's not the exact point. But then again, you know, how do you how do you tell that to a business? It's not your point to make money as much as possible. Yeah, they don't care. That's you know, that's that. what they're hearing when we're saying like, dude, you're fucking like this experience sucks and it sucks for your people. But you're pushing this sort of experience onto customers. They're gonna remember it. They're gonna talk to their friends about it. Their friends are gonna be like, yeah, that sucked. I don't like going to GameStop anymore. And then they're gonna stop going there altogether. They're gonna abstain. They're gonna get games digitally, or they're gonna go to another retailer where it's not pushed because that's not their livelihood. Hmm. I'm just going to do a flyby of, like, uh, in fact, the Kotaku article uh, headlined, We are all scared for our jobs. GameStop employees share their circle of life stories. Jason Schreier did follow up with this. Uh, just their testimonials. Um, the threat of losing jobs over the circle of life is a very real thing that myself and my colleagues have discussed. That's from our current employee. Uh, my store does things with a pretty unspoken code of ethics. We know not to lie to our people because them being happy matters more than our numbers. That's a quote from a current senior game associate. That, sh- that store is going to get closed down in like a week. <laughs> <laughs> They're done. They're done. The hit list. <laughs> this is a hit list. <laughs> uh, former assistant manager said, let's see, these goals had to be met every day or we would get a call from our district manager or district leader as GameStop would have you call him to alert us about our low numbers and warn us. Actually, this is something I encountered in a different uh, retail operation. Spencer's did this to us, mm-hmm. where they would give us, uh, we had the call every day at five o'clock and check in with the district manager. It doesn't matter if it's just his voicemail, if he picks up, he just 
wants to know you're there and you're on top of it. And it was mm. just one of his arbitrary rules. But sometimes when you would call, he would answer the phone and be like, hey, so I noticed today uh, you're whatever, the there would be a contest item. Mm. Usually it's mouth lights or some shit. <laughs> yeah, your mouth light numbers are pretty low today. <laughs> and he would be like, on the spot, I'd be like, do you have any explanation for that, Kevin? And I'd be like... Well, nobody wants mouth lights. <laughs> is, and again, that's not the right answer. They don't want to hear that fucking answer. But that is the correct answer. That is the answer in reality. Nobody wants a fucking mouth light for five ninety nine. Yeah. You understand me? We're not all. Well, we gotta sell them the the blinders so they're not as. We don't all have a great ecstasy hookup. We're not gonna fucking <laughs> walk around with mouth lights. But god damn it, if you said anything but... If you're but... shopping at Spencer's, you probably have a good ecstasy <laughs> hookup. I'm just going to say that right now. But yeah, so that reminds me. That dude was a battle axe like that, for sure. Okay. And we ran into a lot of problems upper management at GameStop because what had happened, oddly for our region, you remember when Hollywood Video went out of business? Yes. All of those managers were scooped up by GameStop for one reason or another, hmm. and they started taking over stores one by one. And I was actually subject to a store that had a uh, management turnover. And this dude was from like one of the Hollywood Video... I guess exodus mm-hmm. <laughs> that occurred and he came in and rather than be like up front and be like alright well I kind of want to move my team in here and let's let's help these guys jump ship to other stores or anything and like he literally like had this plan where it's like I'm going to find ways to fire every single employee at this location and get my steal my people over from the big mall down the street hmm. so it would be little policy violations Little tiny ones. Like, you know how you can check out games at GameStop? Uh, one employee had a game checked out for, like, a couple of days past the, the point of, you know, no return. Fired for that. How long ago did it happen? 13 months before his dismissal. <laughs> Holy shit. They just had... They reached. They had, they had the loss prevention manager come in, look at all of our books, look at our fucking stock. We did an inventory thing. And he had, like, an interview with us one by one and just found the smallest fucking shit to peg us on. For me, I had a policy violation that fired. I got fired for mm. I'll say it on air. I got fired at GameStop uh, because Womp. in the first month of me working there, we, again, like I said, we didn't have your numbers like saved in the system. I couldn't lo- like look up your discount number to give you discounts and use games. Mm-hmm. So I would be like, yeah, I need to actually see your actual card. And if they didn't have the card, again, these were families coming in. If they didn't have the card, I would use mine. Be like, here you go. Here's the discount. And like, I, you know, bring in your card next time, guys. Huh, we will. Thanks, Kevin. And then they'd walk away. Customer service. Novel idea. Yeah, I was told by my manager like after maybe a week, like, like oh yeah, yeah, you can't do that. They they frown on that. I'm like okay, sorry, I didn't know. I'm new. And they're like ah, oh, it's fine. And that was what I was fired for because the man asked me, the man with the ponytail <laughs> that sat me in the back room. Chuck, we'll call him. Chuck, we'll call him. He said, uh, "Can you think how many times that you swiped your card?" And I was like, maybe four, four or five times. I don't know. Before I was told not to. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know what date? That you uh, did this last. I'm like, uh... Like, I had the fucking reach. Like, I think it was January 11th. Like, he's writing up a police report. You have to be exactly. very precise. And I was like, I don't I don't really know. And he's like, really? Interesting. January 11th. Because I see that you swiped it one more time on January 13th. Which is <laughs> funny, because you said 11th. And I'm just like, this is... We're talking about... This was fucking, like, nine Pulls months. on a Bible. You're under oath. Yeah, yeah, after the fact. And I was like, yeah, I guess I did. And I was like, okay. Good to know. Good to know. And he was like, can you tell me how much money you lost the company from the discounts. And, like, this is a hypothetical number. It's not a real amount. This was not, a, a, like, like fucking amount of money taken out of the register or anything. But he asked me, how much money did you lose us? And I came up with, I was fucking 18. I came up with a ballpark number. Like, it might have been $40 in potential 
if they bought it like full price, you know, for these used fucking games, mm-hmm. 50 Cent Blood in the Sand and, you know, Goddamn <laughs> Army of Two, Part Three. <laughs> like, whatever. We You're helping the, the store, if anything. Yeah, and he, <laughs> and he was like, okay, good to know. And I get fired a couple days later. They really, even really tell me why. Hmm. And I remember. I became friends with the manager at a different location, and he was like, you pr- might be rehirable, dude. Call this number, tell him the situation, and say that there's a manager interested at the Broward Mall location that wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. See what's going on. I'm like, okay. Called the lady, gave him my whatever number, told him who I was, and they're like, okay, please hold. And they get back on the phone, they're like, oh, yeah, you're not rehirable. And I'm like, uh, why is that? And all she said to me was, you should know why. What? And I was like, what the fuck? And you hear Chuck's voice. You know what you did. I was like, what does that mean? Okay, what, whatever. And I just fucking hung up. I was like, I'm not going to get into it. Uh, a few months later, I get a fucking uh, note from GameStop Corporate. And I'm thinking, like, maybe it's an old W2, an old check, check or some shit. Uh, it was um, basically they were suing me over the amount of $40. Unreal. And, of course, I didn't have a job then. And I was, I was going to Broward College. I was, like, walking to it okay. every day. That didn't last very long. <laughs> but I was walking to it. I was like, I don't have any money. I have no money to pay you to, mm-hmm. like, do this. Like, even, even as a chuckle to be like, all right, fuck off, GameStop. Here's 40 bucks. You know, I'll see you next week for Army of Two Part Four. Uh, did not happen that way. The next month, I get another message saying, like, okay, since you ignored the last uh, notification, basically we tacked onto the fee. It was, like, 200 bucks at that point. And they sent Jesus. me like two more, and it got up to like almost five hundred bucks <laughs> that I owed over this imaginary fucking forty dollars, <laughs> a figurative four dollars. It's not an adjustable amount; it should be fixed. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, that I stole is is what it what like I stole forty dollars is what they were claiming. Okay, and I had my brother-in-law take a look because he, he he's been in business for you know all of his adult life, and he was like, yeah, I have my lawyer friend look at it, and the lawyer friend fucking laughed it out of the goddamn water. He was like, this is a joke. Like this is child's play. What this is, and he was like, I'll write you something up. He doctored up an email, sent it to, to the fucking whatever firm that was handling these mm. evil emails <laughs> trying to get 40 bucks from kids, and they shut the fuck up. They didn't say anything, did not reply, did not come after me, didn't do anything. Wow. But to this day, I can say, yeah, GameStop uh, sued me. An 18-year-old for 40 bucks. <laughs> yeah. What? So it's a volatile work environment, or it can be a volatile work environment because it's just the perception of corporate, and corporate sucks. Corporate doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of suits that got into this business not for the love of it, but because they love money. And now that they see that their love is starting to fade, they're freaking the fuck out and choking it down. Now, this is not everyone's experience. You can't even say it's like, you, you've had a pretty okay experience. It's been okay. I mean, people ask me like what it's like to work at GameStop. I'm like, it's pretty chill. And I'm like, I'm not even thinking to tell them all the other stuff because like, it really doesn't affect me. Um, I, I know it to be cutthroat at other locations. And these testimonials, like some of them, like I believe it because I've seen minor degrees of what's happening. Right. It's kind of like, I often like, holy shit. We had the weekly thing where our managers, I, it was probably even daily actually, where we would get um, calls from our district managers. They check in, and be like, okay, how are the numbers doing? And I'm like, oh, well, this is happening, this is that. I'm like, oh, well, that's not good. Um, who's working? What are they doing? What are their behaviors? How can you coach them? And it's always a, like a ongoing thing. Or our district manager would come in and sit for like four hours and just talk about store behaviors and like what we need to be doing better. And I'm like, okay, cool. So they always had their eyes on us, making mm-hmm. sure we were doing what we were doing. But it wasn't like a huge pressing issue. Like we just made it work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my managers at the time, like they were making it work in their own ways, and in the ways I conniving saw, ways. In the ways I saw them do it was just kind of like, okay, I'm not really gonna do that. And one of my um, SJs would be like, yeah, like you're supposed to get them. Um, I wouldn't go about it doing that person's way because like you know that's not how I would do it. But you know, 
she makes it work for herself. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, do I have to do that? It's like, no, not really. Just, you know, make sure you suggest and mention it to everybody. I'm like, okay. So I made a habit of at least like always mentioning um, pre-owned, always mentioning um, reservations, always mentioning, you know, their subscription. Like if I saw that it was going up in a month, I'm like, oh, you know, just let you know your um, power is going to expire in about a month. Would you like to renew? Right. Basic stuff, just kind of helping them on a helpful level, you know, not being conniving. But then you get these instances where I would see my manager, like we had the gameplay guarantees. This is like a minor guarantee, a uh, minor um, part of it where that, that that's a disc scratch protection thing. Yeah, right? so okay, yeah. so if anything happens to your disc, you get this three dollar um, sticker that prints out with it. Um, anything happens, cracked, broken, unplayable, you bring that sticker back in with the game, they replace it for you. Mm-hmm. No questions. Mm-hmm. And then that gameplay thing is no longer usable. Um, it covers everything except stolen games because we can't, you know, insure a stolen game. I don't get it. There's no you just can't do it. I just, that's fine. Yeah. You don't okay. get it? I don't, I don't need to explain it. No, so what, what would happen with these? They're... Oh, okay. So, yeah. They would do oh, it I know un- how disc protection works. What do you... Okay. <laughs> they would do it in underhanded <laughs> ways where... Um, so, a customer would come and they buy their game and they would say, like, Oh, oh just so so you know, I'm just going to go ahead and tack on this warranty to make sure you're covered. And, you know, take care take care of everything for you. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then they would see the subtotal go up. And they're like, oh, what's that? They're like, oh, that's the warranty I put on them. And they're like, oh, I don't really want that. Or... They would be so engaged in conversation because the manager would be distracting them mm-hmm. from like the underhanded thing that they did that it would just get on there. And then half times they wouldn't even give them the sticker. And just like, okay, cool. So you just tacked on this $3 thing just to do it to make your uh, warranty numbers look better, but you didn't even actually like benefit the customer. Isn't that a, what's the word I'm looking for here? Okay. Stealing? Yes. So they would do things like that and I, they would get like anywhere from like 15 to 30 guarantees a shift. And I'm like, okay, that's crazy. I'm not doing that because that, that doesn't seem right to me. It just didn't seem right on a basic level. So there was that. And then with the subscriptions, um, we would ring them out. We have, if we enter in their number, scan their card, we have all their information there so we can see like when their card expires or whatever. Um, and we let them know, like, okay, yeah, your card's expiring about a month. Um, we're going to go ahead and take care of that for you today for free, you know, because, like, you got these pre-owned games. I've had that line dropped on me before. Mm-hmm. And, again, like, I used to sell the mm-hmm. subscriptions. And I would always try to tell them, like, okay, so the amount that you're trading in or the amount that you're saving, the card is, like, almost a wash mm-hmm. is what I would explain. I was like, so, you see, you're getting 14 back, but that pays for the 14. Back then it was 14, you mm-hmm. know. I would say that. But, like, what they're saying is literally, like, oh, it's free. It's free. You didn't pay a thing. Mm-hmm. You didn't do anything. It's just here. And there are some instances where it is free because you can use your points right. that you gain by using the card to renew. I think it's like you need 15000 to renew because it's only like a $14.99 card. But in this practice, they're saying, okay, you're going to get it for free. Um, or say like they buy the pre-owned games. They pay the top sticker price versus the bottom one. So it's like, I don't know, say fifty one ninety nine, and then the pre-owned pro price is like $47. The, pro, the per, they call it. Tower board. So they pay the bottom price. I'm like, okay, cool. So you pay the bottom over the top, and we're going to go ahead and set this up for you for free. Um, and, you know, you'll basically, you know, walk out of here for, with it for free. But basically, they're still paying for it. And in some instances, the subtotal will go up a bit. And they're like, oh, what's happening here? Like, oh, well, we renewed the card, and, you know, you, you had to pay for it still because it's 15 for the year. But, you know, it dropped these lower prices. So, see, you're saving, and you're going to save more the more you come. And, like, it starts to unravel itself a little bit because, yeah. like, they can see that you're kind of doing something slimy, and then they'll be like, well, no, I don't really want to renew today and it kind of fucks up the whole process right right so i would see a lot of stuff like that and then the most extreme thing that i saw was i was selling a customer a console i was really excited about this i like selling consoles but i slowly became like you're giving the gift of games yeah and i slowly got to this point where i didn't enjoy it anymore because i would sell a new console and like the company doesn't make money off of new hardware like much like they don't make money off of new games so i'd grab one um help them out i would get like i think it was an xbox um 
one and I had like the Xbox Gold set up. I had all this other stuff set up for them and it was ready to go. Like I felt good about it. It was like a five hundred dollar transaction. Boom. Go to the back to get the system. District manager's there. Um, he's like, What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm trying to sell a customer a new system. He's like, Why? I'm like, what do you mean why? That's what they want. And he's like, no, sell them a pre-owned one. Go back out there and sell them a pre-owned one. So I basically had to turn back around without the system and let them know, oh, just to let you know, um, you know, I was in the back. Like, we do have the new ones, but we have pre-owned ones, um, you know, for cheaper. And, you know, here's what we're going to do for you. Here's what you can save and this and that. And, like, they're in there buying, like, a system. Like, it might be their first next-gen system. Like, they wanted it new, but yet I turned it into a spin where I had to sell them a pre-owned one. And it felt, suddenly became very uncomfortable for me and my sale fell apart. Did they buy the new one still? Mm, yeah, they still wanted the new one. <laughs> it was a whole thing where I ended up having to go back there anyway and be like, okay, well, they wanted the new one. And then they did something even crazier where they swapped things from the boxes. They took a pre-owned system from a box, put it in the new box, took the new one out. Are you talking about this is like a different instance? This is the same instance. Wait, what? Yeah, same instance where they took the new system out of the box, uh, put a pre-owned one in there, and later defected that one out. And then reintroduce it into the system. So they technically, like, put out a pre-owned system. Yeah. Wait, they they sold... So this guy was thinking he's buying a brand new mm-hmm. one. And, and the people working... I, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of flabbergasted yeah. right now. The people working there put a used system in a brand new box and sold it as new to this customer. Mm-hmm. What is the, even the logic of it? Like, so the defected out, like, that's better number-wise? Yeah, they were just going to straighten out the numbers later. But in that moment, getting the pre-owned piece was better. Did you sell it as new at the new MSRP? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was about, It didn't make sense to me. I was like, so what are you guys doing? I'm like, don't worry. We've got to figure it figured out. I'm like, oh. Holy oh. shit, I was dude. like, okay. So I, I saw a few instances of, like, repackaging systems. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Like, that's, that is heinous. And I've even seen the opposite, where they would move uh, new systems, or, sorry, um, yeah, they would take new systems out, put them in pre-owned boxes, and sell new ones as pre-owned to jack up the prices for that, too. And I'm like, what? What? why can't we just sell the people what they want? Why do we have this convoluted, like, backdoor thing that we're doing where we're trying to bolster our numbers when it just seems complicated? (laughs) I can't believe (laughs) <laughs> it was fucking weird, dude. Like, and that's the thing. Like, you know, there you, you have a lot of apologists coming out there. Like, I love working for GameStop. It's not like this. Not every location. And we're not we're not saying that. But, dude, sometimes the bad outweighs your good. Like, this is happening. Mm-hmm. This is endemic. This is because of COL. This is because at the root, GameStop's corporate policies. Your people are behaving this way not because they're corrupt, but because you corrupted them. Mm-hmm. Like, you forced them to be corrupt. It wasn't this bad when I was working there. It was no. bad, but it wasn't this bad. Like, holy shit. Like, the instance I saw there was like, uh, I don't know what's going on. I came here to just sell games and like, have a good time, and I'm seeing, like, some really <laughs> weird practices that are unethical in a lot of ways. And this you're, is you're blatantly anti-consumer. It is completely self-serving. And and in that moment, like, think about how I felt. Like, I was, like, I was just trying to help out a customer, and at the end, I felt like I did a disservice to them. And that is not okay in, like, the realm of customer service, because that's what I'm there for. I'm there for the customer. Right. And if I, at any point, had to alter the transaction or do something shady, then you're failing as a customer service entity. Like, that's just it. Right. But, you know, goddamn, if you just try to sell them a brand new fucking console, your mm-hmm. DM couldn't say, hey, you're out today. Yeah. <laughs> Like you went, you went against my wishes. You went against this company. So that was those you are some of the more extreme things that I've seen. Some of the more uh, oh, normalized things on a day to day basis that I see, or that I was seeing even. Um, 
because I saw it pretty frequently, was like, okay, they have my login numbers. They would log me in throughout the day. Um, say I only work that one shift a week. Um, right. And they would log me in when, like, we'd get a reserve or we get trades or pre-owns to kind of bolster my numbers throughout the week to make it look better. So they do things like that. Um, I think I told you when we talked about it a few episodes ago where I came into work one day and there was a line all the way mm-hmm. like to the back door and I couldn't ring anybody up because I couldn't fuck up my numbers. So I had to walk around, look like an idiot while there was a line. I couldn't ring a single person out. <laughs> I got to the point where I was like grabbing their boxes like, okay, what do you have? I'll at least put a game in here and just have it ready for you behind the counter so the transaction goes faster. But in the moment, it's like I'm, I look dumb. Right. I can't help these customers. There's a line. They're getting impatient. Like, they say, I think it's like six minutes tops is like the most a customer is willing to wait, mm-hmm. like without being helped or, you know, before they get anxious or antsy or want to, you know, go. Right. So that was an instance where I got really frustrated where it's like, why can't I help these people? Like, because Circle of Life, fuck Circle of Life. Like, I don't give a shit about that. It has no bearing on my life. I want to help these people. <laughs> it's not my life. So I would see stuff like that. And then I mentioned the reserves were like, um, a manager would be sweating bullets over like the amount of reserves we had and would pull money out of their pocket and just do a reserve for themselves. So like, cool, I'm just going to reserve this game for myself. Or they would ask people, like, anything you want to reserve? And I literally had like a manager like take out a five. I'm like, cool, I'm going to pay for a reserve for you. And I'm like, why? I'm like, I'll get you back. He's like, no, don't worry about it. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, wh- why do you need What's to What's going that? on here? What? How does this company understand. really serve you that you really have to worry about it on a day-to-day basis like that? It just, it's silly. It's completely silly. Like, it's it's this whole other meta to your job that doesn't even serve the customer. No. It's just a game. They're Well, leave it to GameStop to gamify Yeah. fucking job. <laughs> a new minigame from GameStop. That's... Three-hour nightmare. This is putrid, dude. Like, I thought... Uh, I tried to be impartial. <laughs> it sucks so bad. <laughs> it does. It's horrible. It makes me not want to go there. And That's what it's going to be for a lot of people. This should... This fucking article that came out should damage the company. They deserve to be damaged. Mm-hmm. Their practices are not savory. Um, and also, but that, that's, that's a double, double-edged sword because you say hey, the, if the company gets damaged, then that endangers the employees too. And it's like, fuck, yeah. dude. People rely on you. But god damn, they deserve the sink. I agree. Um, and I, I'll stress that. I don't think there's anything wrong with pre-owned stuff. Like, I've been buying pre-owned games, like, for the past, like, six years. Like, yeah. since I got my PS3 and my PS4. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And especially having, like, the power card, you do save, like, up to 20%. So it's, it's awesome. Like, there are tons of benefits for it. But I think if I come into the store looking for a new game, uh, or, like, I come in looking for a pre-owned game and say, like, the sale instance with Watch Dogs 2, where, like, okay, I'm looking to save, you know, and I usually save with pre-owned, mm. could it help me save money? I'm like, well, that sucks. Like, that sucks completely. Yes, to a T, to an SAT. So, like, I, I'll, I'll pride them on the things that they do well. Like, I think trading in games, that's awesome. I think that's a cool currency to have, like, games as currency. I think it sucks that, like, they devalue the trade-in value. Like, um, if you trade in for cash, you get significantly less. Because mm-hmm. they're like, well, we want you to spend that internally. So if you do, we'll jack up the trade boats. And you can actually get more to spend it within the store. So I think those little things, like, they're... They're generous benefits to, you know, being a pro member or even shopping with GameStop. But I think on the inverse side where it's like, you got to see how it's affecting the employees and it's not affecting them in a good way. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. I mean, they're your front line. Mm -hmm. They are the faces of your company. They're the representation. If they're all fucking stressed out and being shady with the customer, that's going to get noticed and that's going to hurt your business in the long run. That, that, That just seems obvious. I... I understand that they thought that this was a system that was going to fucking encourage business. It's not. 
So fucking own up. Mm-hmm. Own up and be like, all right, we're doing away with this. It's not going to matter as much. We're going to try to recoup elsewhere. I mean, look at GameStop. They have Game Trust mm-hmm. going on. They have their own publishing arm that they're trying to do deals with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're associated with that other one, the Kong, Congregate, Congregate or some shit like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're associated with that. They have the, and then they bought ThinkGeek. Yeah, they bought ThinkGeek. They operate as a cricket service, so mm-hmm. like we do phone subscriptions and shit like that. So right, like you know that, and that's the kind of thing that you need to do. You need to find survivability elsewhere because mm-hmm. obviously the jig will be up for uh, brick and mortar game retail. It's not going to make sense. It's going to turn into steam for us. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as our consoles get faster and have more space, that's what it's going to be. And you know, I prepare for the future elsewhere. You're already shooting yourself in the fucking foot. Saying, like, no, we're already encouraging people to walk out the door with nothing. And that sucks. But they've never been very good to begin with. No, I had heard, like, pretty bad stories um, before I even thought of working there. Because, like, when I was 18, I was like, oh, it would be cool to work at GameStop. And then I got into, like, food service and other sides of customer service. Um, And then my friends, at the same time I was working those jobs, they'd be working there. Like, oh, GameStop sucks to work for. I'm like, really? They're like, why? Well, because i got to worry about reservations. I always have to worry about this. Like, there's nothing I'm not worried about when I clock in. I'm like, that's not okay. Like, I go to Starbucks, like, I just have to worry about doing my job right. You know, there's maybe one sales aspect. But even then, like, if we don't do it, our jobs aren't on the line. Right. Like, you're there for the customer. Yeah. And I respect Starbucks for that. It's like, we're there for the customer. I mean, they, they push, like, upselling out the ass. They push at-home coffee sales. Like, so selling, like, the whole bean coffees or the K-cups and stuff. Like, But your job doesn't hinge on it. Our job does not hinge on it at right. all. It is something that our co- we need to have in our numbers. But, like, it's not like a sink or swim thing. Like, if we don't do it, like, our mm-hmm. store's not going to get shut down. We're not going to get fired. We're not going to have a talking to. We're not going to get written up. Right. The fact that, like... I can work a three-hour shift and maybe ring out one person and that'd be a bad transaction, say I'd only sold a new game, and then I have to have a talk with my supervisor? Like, mm-hmm. why? I can't control the traffic of people. I can't control no. spending habits or buy or their wants. So if they come in and that's what they want, who am I to tell them otherwise? Like, You're supposed to. You're supposed to persuade them, not <laughs> tell them. That's, that's their thinking. And it's like, I'm the absolute pinnacle of a customer they do not want. That, this is what this article has told me. I am the customer they do not want because I want to walk in and buy one brand new game. I don't want to pre-order another one that's coming out months from down the line. And I certainly don't want to trade in games that I want to keep and probably still play mm-hmm. just to take off the cost of this one. I Not not to, uh, you know, if you do that, fantastic. I used to do it all the fucking time. Sometimes I still do. But right now I'm just at a point where it's like, dude, I don't feel like trading in anything. Mm-hmm. I want to walk in, buy a brand new game. They don't want me. They don't want my dollars, what they're saying. No, you're not as valuable as they're, the person They're telling me I'm better that. off walking into a goddamn Target and picking up the game. Or, even better, just buying straight from the horse's mouth. Go on the PSN, fucking download it for uh, 60 bucks. Sure, that sucks that it's not physical in 60 bucks, but mm-hmm. hey, I have it right now. And there's no tax. No tax. And it's done. And plus, I didn't have to walk in and be squawked at for fucking 10 minutes. <laughs> pre-orders and all this shit by someone that's not very good at it in most cases yeah i walk in like did you know that there is a new battlefield coming out oh what's it about oh i don't know like sometimes i will ask a straight up question like oh yeah who made that i i don't i don't oh okay um have you played the first one no you're recommending it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how much you should trust you, Johnny? You, you're the one that opened this uh, this line of communication. I need I need you to take yeah. the ball a little further here, guy. <laughs> but, and know. so I would always use like the the question like, oh, is there anything like coming out that you're looking mm-hmm. forward to? And I would actually yeah. just point to the list, and I'd mention a few things, but like that that would be it, really. Yeah. 
Am I going to specifically force one thing that I don't games, know anything about? Games don't run out nowadays, my guy. That, yeah. that, that's the problem. Like, pre-ordering doesn't make sense anymore. I, I'm going to say that. Unless it's a fucking piece of hardware like the Switch, mm-hmm. you're not going to run out of fucking copies of, like, Call of Duty and shit. Uh, week one. That's the thing. Like, pre-orders really serve, like, the week one consumer. Like, mm-hmm. if you're willing to wait until the second week, like, but, those copies will get there. But again, think and of that. And those pre-order bonuses, the day one bonuses, right, right. are usually on disc anyway. If you somehow didn't pre-order, but still really, 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 really want a copy on that first week, you still have a means of getting it. Yeah. You really, really... Let's go to a different retailer. We live in the future. You could still fucking sure. download it. Okay? Like, that's that's not outside the realm of possibility. And I need that to be, like, a normal way of thinking for a lot of people, because it seems like people don't think like that. They think, oh, they're out. What am I ever going to do for this <laughs> fucking software <laughs> for my, my eighth generation console? <laughs> I'm dead in the water. Oh, no. <laughs> Can't pre- go home to my wife like this. Should have pre-ordered. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. I feel the corporate guilt. <laughs> but that's not going to happen, dude. <laughs> but that's that's all I really want to talk about. That I did mention to you that Jim Sterling is going to do a uh, video on it, and he is probably going to put it much more succinctly than us. But thank you for listening to our thoughts on it. I think he's going to be a little more cynical about it, too. A lot more cynical. Yeah. I like his commentary. He's very informed. He's got a good good angle. So, yeah. So, what does it say about the fate of GameStop? Like, I I know we probably give him like five to ten years, but at this point, if like people are coming forward and like they're fucking Guy Fox masks and like bleeding (laughs) the company with testimonials, like this is what's happening. Fuck them. Like Like, I said, it's going to be a pure hemorrhage situation. They're going to see their profits dwindle. They're going to see less foot traffic through the door. They're going to look at hell. They've already had it happen. Their Black Fridays are getting worse and worse, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you can walk in on Black Friday and not have a fucking problem. It's not a line out the door in most locations, you know, depending if you're at a mall or whatnot. But nope. I worked two Black Fridays, and they were... I was underwhelmed. I was like, this Insane. is it. And back in my day, like, back in 08, like, holy shit. Black Friday was the day. It was war. Mm-hmm. Fucking D-Day is what it was now. It's like, whatever. I mean, that's going to continue happening. That's going to persist, and... You know, my recommendation is evolve. <laughs> find, yeah. not the game, uh, find some way to, to continue and persist. That's what you do in business, man. If one thing stops working, find the next thing that does. It's like, how are don't, they going don't to... Don't fuck us over in the meantime. Yeah, but for them to get savvy, it's like they have to corner like the, the growing digital market. and like mm-hmm. They can't do that. Who's to say they can't? Maybe they create their own rival Steam platform. Just because one exists doesn't mean another one can't be That's better. Sure. Or like yeah. a, a GameStop like game streaming app. Something. They could do anything. They could. They could put their money behind it. They could stop, you know, Have punishing employees people, and yeah. fucking, <laughs> you know, and fucking. be the world's most glorified pawn shop. They don't need to be this. It's ridiculous. They could be something else, but until then. I have to go into work one more time and ever see somebody be waterboarded, I'm... <laughs> Still coming in the next day. Still coming in the next day. I'm like, well, it sucks for him. I didn't get waterboarded. Here's some more pre-orders. <laughs> it's a circle of life. How dare they bastardize what used to be held so dear? Right. Lion King, circle of life. Come on. It's, it's different now. It's tainted. You know, that's like somebody taking a bowl of Cheerios and turning it into like a like a Wall Street term or some shit. It's like, oh. Like oh, the Dow really Cheerio today. What? How's today? It's fucking lemon. It's a bowl fucking, of Cheerios, even. It's fucking honey roasted. Where are we going? Let's, let, let's put this to bed. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Save Room. Again, you can follow us on Twitter, at Save Room Show. Or you can follow Daniel, at Daniel Intendu. Or you can follow Kevin, 
at Kevin Apocalypse on Twitter. Interact. Message us. I don't interact much. He does a lot of the interactivity. <laughs> but if you see a little We're dash. We're a pregnant pause there. A little, little dash to you, that's me. Saying, yep, huh? yep, yep. So thanks for listening. Yep, we yep. appreciate it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Who was <laughs> that? Little foot? Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Sorry. Thank you for listening, guys. And remember to save your game. You didn't say sick. Sick. Sick.